You've tuned in to another episode of the Adeptus Terror podcast, hosted by Sam, Matt, and Neil. Put your feet up and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome. Uh, blah, damn it! I tried so hard. <laughs> welcome to episode sixty-two. I'm Matt. I'm Sam. And here we are with our October episode. It's Ooh. so cold. It is starting to become cold. Yes, it is indeed. Though I am wearing shorts, so it's not that cold. It's yet. not that cold yet, no. but it is getting worse. We'll get there. That's our weather update for this month. <laughs> um, we've got a great show for you, we we hope. <laughs> um, we have our 40k... Oh, no, sorry. Oh, nearly went into the old way. We have our spotlight. Um, it is 40k related, um, and it is Trazine the Infinite. A topic that can go very, very big. Yeah, but it I've reined it. I've reined it down. Good. Because uh, I thought we'll pick something small, yeah. like a character. Yeah. Because we've got our first ever 30k book club I know, looking in Horus Rising. I'm interested to see how you're going to do this. I know, mate. I have no idea yet. <laughs> we'll find out as we get there. Um, but yeah, so Tracing the Infinite is called to do a Necron character. I think it's the first Xenos character we've ever actually covered as a subject on its own. Cool. Um, we've done races. We've done, you know, um, High Fleet. We did a High Fleet, I think, once. Yeah, Kraken. Um, yes, we did do Kraken, Kraken. didn't we? Um and bits like that. But I don't think we've ever fully put the spotlight on one character, so I'm looking forward to that later on in the episode. Um, and as I said, first ever 30K book club, Horus Rising. Very much looking forward to that. Really enjoyed reading the book, and you'll hear more of that later. Okay. I was about to launch into talking about the book. No, 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 no. That's fine. We won't do no, that. No, Sam, no. Um, a few things to run through. Uh, we are halfway through, or just about halfway through, our Horus Heresy's own Mortalis Community Challenge. Cool. How are we <laughs> feeling, Sam? I mean, I'm not great. Um, I I still need to buy half my army. Yes. Um, but I, I'm not concerned. I'm uh, sure. Yeah. I. am yeah. sure it will come together. Like, the game it normally does for me. It normally all falls into place eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a pretty, pretty lucky guy. I think I'm so. gonna upset my wife. Um, <laughs> around Christmas and New Year. Right. Just a week after Christmas, just painting solidly to hit the 31st. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So that, that, that's, that's another thing to, to remind everyone. The, the end date is actually the 31st. 31st it's of It's not December. Christmas. No. Nope. So I have a week off. Nope. So uh, there's going to be a post at 11.59. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to be smart about this because it's UK time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all you people in further ahead get extra time and all you people behind get less time oh, looking at you us <laughs> depends where in the us right no they're all behind oh, us okay i have no idea <laughs> do you mean it's how the time zone works uh, uh, time you know the, you know the world is time flat, is wibbly right? wobbly it's not wibbly wobbly it is i don't know how it works it, when you're just not a time lord don't it's pretty think about fixed. it just don't think about it it's fine <laughs> oh <my> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah i am very nervous very 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 nervous um, I've hit a bit of a hump, and we'll talk about that later in this uh, our news from Terra segment. But um, yeah, it's really cool. People are all jumping on. There's a few more that still need to post in October. Um, will they hear? They'll hear this on the 31st, won't they? If they listen to it on the day of release. Yes. So it goes out um, next Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I might be nice and put a post out saying, "Hey guys, we haven't heard from you this month." 
Mm. Um, I don't want to drag people through it, but I also don't want people missing out and not having an opportunity because they accidentally missed a month. They may have had a crazy uh, month in terms of life and work balance and all sorts. I definitely have. Mm. Um, so just do what I do and do the minimal possible because yeah. it's not about getting units done. We're not we're not ticking the you units. Just need off. to put a post. Just put a post. Just yeah. go. Just put a post up of the unfinished models and go. Hey, look, I I I started. But I got them out of a box. They, Progress. They're built. They're built. <laughs> so it's all. Just, the only the only requirement is that it's finished by the. Um, by the the thirty first. Yes. So there, there needs to be some progress each month, but there is no category of progress. It could be no. you wash the resin. Exactly. It could be that you literally put them on bases. Mm. It could be anything. Um, but yeah, just don't miss out because you miss a month. Um, I think this month I'll be kind and post something. Uh, but after that, for November and December, you you won't get any reminders because it is a competition, and there are those that are doing everything and doing it right. Um, I don't want them suffering because we're dragging people through it at the same time. There's a there's a there's a good balance here, indeed. And, and yeah, we'll we'll hit it hopefully. Maybe. Um, yeah, Ad, the admin on this is is nuts. It's so much work. It is um, I've I've missed a couple of people and apologies for that. Um, but they've they've helped fix the issue and we're all sorted now, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was very upset when there was two people that I'd missed a unit that they'd posted. Um. It's it's, yeah. it's it's it is a lot. I mean, we can do stuff like if you could tag Matt in to your post, that might help. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I do see them all. It's 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 going okay. I think I've majority I've hit everything, but there the is thing one is, or though, two things. The thing is, you just need to be better. Yeah, that is literally it. If you be were better, then this wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. So um, it is our first big kind of community challenge as well. So I'm learning a lot as I do it, um, as we do it. I should say it's not just me doing it. Um, but anyway. We should move on. Um, next hangout date, Sam, November. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this. Yes, uh, well, it's in this section of the, se- the section of the show that we talk about the hobby hangout. Mm, let's do the twenty fourth. No, Sunday, the twenty fourth of November. Yeah, and let's put that in the calendar mm. now. That's great stuff. So we will hear an advert later on in the episode. Um, telling you all about the Hobby Hangout. But it's basically 8 to 11pm UK time on the Sunday. This will be the next one, the 24th of November. And you get to come use Google Hangout, um, hang out with Sam this time. We take it in turns. We try and get on if we're not hosting, but obviously life sometimes gets in the way. Mm. Um, And just hang out. We've got a really good group of regulars that tend to be on each Hangout, as well as there's always a new face or someone that's kind of just jumping on to see what it's about. So yeah, come and be that person if you've never done one before. But the 24th of November, 8 to 11 UK time. Yes. Yes, I believe the Facebook event that we post tends to work it out for you. Yeah, it's very great. It's it's it's, it's regional, so yeah. Um so I will create the invite once this episode goes live so we get yes. this week's one out of the way so not com- cause confusion. Yes, indeed. Cool. News from Terra. News from Terra. News from Terra. So we start with Sprue Corner. This is where we talk about what we've built this month. Uh, kit bashes, 
go through the building process, the kits that we've built, yeah. whether it was fun or not. So I haven't had to build anything this month. And no. I, I actually genuinely do miss building. It's my favourite part. Actually. Is it? I love it. I mean, I don't like it that much. I mean, it's just, it, sometimes it's nice. It, I feel more accomplished when I build a model because yeah. it starts on a sprue and then obviously it ends with a, a finished piece. It's very easy to see progress. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I do miss building, but at the moment I, I don't really have anything to build. So No. No, I suppose what, last month you would have built your Blood Angels? So it's yeah. only been about a month, five yeah. weeks, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, no, I, I hopefully be ordering some more of my uh, Heresy, my 30k mm. Zone Mortalis Challenge. Did you see the uh, Blood Angel Jump Pack Contemptor came out? I do, I did. But can you imagine that on a Zone Mortalis? Oh, just slamming like, into yeah. the side of the, of the walls. Danger test. I'm now immobilized. I can't move anywhere. <laughs> and I only have claws. And I'm facing the wall. No, just my angrily luck. scratching. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 my luck. I'd be, he'd, be, he'd land facing the wall as well. Yeah. So he can't, literally can't do anything. But no, so I, I shan't be buying that one just yet. Yes. Um, but at the moment, I need to. Over the next month, hopefully, I'll, I'll get some more of my ZM Challenge A couple of models. squads of Termies, isn't it? Two squads of Termies and then a Praetor ah. in Terminator armor. So Ooh. I'm going to... The, the armor won't technically match what the Praetor's modelled in, but I mean, I don't, I don't really care. It's fine. Yeah, zero. Zero yeah. care. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's... Um, I, I might just pick him up. I don't know. I don't want to just go and drop like 160 quid or whatever mm. it is for, for three units. So what I might do is just buy... The Praetor. Okay. And then maybe later yeah. in the I month. I mean, you'll pay more for the postage over the long term, but... It's not that 10% thing quid. anymore. It's fixed. Nah, so yeah. it, it, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. Because when it was like crazy postage, then completely, like yeah, when it totally. was like, oh, we're going to charge you 5% of what well, you're ordering. Uh, at that point, it was like, who wants something from Forge World? Let's yeah. all order together. Yeah, yeah. So I think it might just be a case of just ordering the Praetor. Because um, I haven't finished the other two units. So when they're finished, I kind of have a bit more of a point of buying something mm -hmm. at the moment. Great, I'll own it, but I'm not playing with it yet until it's painted. Yeah, because I did, I did have a, a a revelation this month of um I saw a photo of, of some of the guys playing here, mm. um and it it was the first time I've seen seen the board and gone, oh man, that doesn't look too good. Yeah, not painted and not painted yeah. board, not painted armies, and 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 yeah. don't get me wrong. This is a high horse moment. A hundred percent. Like I, I, I. We'd never turn our nose up at people doing that. No, no, of course not. Because amazing, they they had a game, which yeah. is so cool, especially for our club and where we are at the moment with our club. They actually had a game, so I mean they're completely winning. But it, but it was a, one of those things we're going. Actually, I really like playing painted armies on painted boards. It just it just adds that little bit of extra to the, to so the, the hobby. So much. Um. So that then made me paint a piece of terrain. Yes, which looks really cool. But we have moved on from building, so you've got I, stuff you've I, built. I do have stuff to build. Yeah. Well, well done. Back to Sprue Corner we I go. Can, I can get us back um, on track. So I, I've been working away a little bit um, over this month, and so I ordered a bunch of stuff for my Night Lords. So I've been working on a new 3,000-point list for my Night Lords um, since the Company of Legends event last year, and um, which is over a year ago now, which is sad. Yep. Um, and just been kind of changing them up, wanting a bit of a different list. I want that kind of fast-paced hit and run. <laughs> so I didn't want to rely as much on uh, drop pods and dreadnoughts because I felt they were a bit slower than the kind of uh, list I was trying to go for. Um, the list is now more assault squad, bikes, fast tank, uh, units, inventory in drop pods so they can get into position uh, quickly. Um, yeah, just something a little bit quicker um, and very hit and runny, which is Night Lords to me. 
Yeah. So I ordered a bunch of stuff from Forge World and from uh, Dark Sphere. I ordered some third-party bits to do some converting. Um, and that's what I got up to. So I built a brand new Sikaran Arcus tank. That's the one with the missile pod on the top. Cool. Uh, Laz Cannon Swansons. Good. Basically my kind of vehicle killer. Um, uh, looking forward to playing that. It's a really fun kit to build. Like really easy. Sakaran's very easy to put together. How Sakaran's are big, right? Uh, they're not huge. Like they're bigger than a rhino. bigger than a rhino or a predator, but not by that much. Hmm. Um, but yeah, very cool. I love the look of the kits. I've always wanted a Sakaran and never quite pulled the trigger on it. Um, and now I've got one, and I'm very, very happy indeed. Um, yeah, it it just went together so easy. None of the parts were warped. They cleaned up really easy. There was only a few mold lines. Like it was, it genuinely was really easy build uh, for some big Forge World piece. Just um, trying to find it on Forge World website now. Oh, the Arcus. Yeah. Some of the the weird pods. Yeah, the missile pods. On the I was going to have that one. Yeah. No, you've gone the Omega, haven't you? In your uh, Blood, Unge- uh, Blood yeah, Angel. Yeah. 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 Just because you know shooty. Yeah. Yeah. The the Omega is very nice. I nearly went for an Omega, but I needed a little bit more uh, vehicle punch. Mm. Um, and the Arcus just has a slightly better yeah, um, vehicle completely, hit. completely get that. Um, so I went with that. Um, I also built a Night Lord's Assault Squad. Now, I did this using um, part 40k Marines. Okay. So I got from uh, friend Ben um, a squad of 10 Assault Marines he wasn't using, popped off the backpacks and took the heads off, and um, the shoulder pad, one of the shoulder pads, um, which was nice and easy because they were plastic and built together with super glue. Mm. So if it popped off, I think they're one of your old squads. Probably. Um, they're very poorly constructed. So they, they, they came really apart easy. very easy. Yeah, I know. It's like butter. Um, it's fine. <laughs> uh, and then I picked up some Night Lord shoulder pads, Mark IV. Mm-hmm. Um, picked up the Terror Assault Squad heads from yeah. Forge World. And I picked up Spellcrow's um, version 2 jump backs. So they're like the single jet, like the Sanguini Guard ones. Okay. Um, so I picked up those. Uh, I also had a, a Night Raptor spare, as you do. Right. Um, so he's running as my uh, sergeant. So he's got the... a slightly different backpack and looks obviously a lot more Night Lordy. So he kind of stands out, which is good. Uh, easy to spot in the unit. Are you trying to find the jump packs? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing they're under Space Knights. Uh, yes, <clears throat> I believe so. They're Spellcrow miniatures. Um, and they're the version two, they're like a single jet rather than the kind of middle bit with the two jets on the side. Yeah, because they're. I, mean, I, mean, I do like Spellcrow. I do like Spellcrow. I think their conversion parts are really interesting and, mm. and, and they're done really well. So the, I, I'm not particularly keen on the, the backpacks. No, I mean, I'd, like I'd the, agree. I'd agree. Um, so that, don't get me wrong, the. the a lot of their stuff makes sense the way it looks. So like the the missile pods aren't in a round one. It's like box containers with missile pods on there that you you would almost imagine they just load a box container on when the missile runs out. Yeah. Type stuff. Um okay. Oh yeah, version two. They're like a like a single jump pack with Yeah. Got with a couple of like side thrusters. Side thrusters in. Oh no, they're cool. Yeah, and they actually look really good on the model. Mm. They're really good scale to the Space Marine. They fit on really easily. Um and I was really happy with those. Um and so that and was that. 471 rather than buying a whole box of Yeah, well I needed two sets. So yeah, 8 quid. 8 quid rather nine than quid. rather than buying two boxes of Sanguinary Guard. 
well, yeah, or trying to find them in bit boxes and things. Yeah. And they they were great. I really like them. They give them a heresy feel with the Night Lord shoulder pad and the Night Lord heads on them. Yeah. They look Night Lords. Yeah. They already got the bolt pistol chainswords. That's fine. Did a slight, you know, a few changes on the chainswords where there was overly eagle motifs. Yeah, but that's simple. Uh, but that's, sort out. yeah, super easy. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy. Built those. And then I built five heavy chain blade guys uh, for my list. Um, and I used the, again, Spellcrow, and they were eviscerator weapons. They're like um, a staff with a chainsword on each end. Think Darth Maul double lightsaber, but chainswords. Um, and they look, quite, they look quite different, and they look quite cool. I was really happy with them. I bought them on a bit of a whim because mm. I was looking for the jump packs, and I saw those. And they come in packs of two, and I needed four. Right. So um, I basically was like, well, two boxes. Double saw weapons. Space Knight's double saw weapons. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think they were called eviscerator weapons. There's two versions, but they look very, very similar, if not the same. Okay. Um, but yes, so they're, they're quite cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the eviscer- they're, they just come with arms. Yes, so I've got the ones with arms. Yeah. Um, and then just put shoulder pads over the top. That's cool, though. They look good. Yeah, they do. I'm really impressed with those as well. They went together really easy. It, it does look like... Um, uh, what spa- what uh, Jedi Knight is it where he's got sat together and then he can break them apart and then have two lightsabers rather than one? It looks like they could easily just oh, okay. take them <laughs> apart and then have two. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I like the fact they were two-handed because heavy chain uh, blades are supposed to be... They're meant Two, to be, hey, yeah, yeah. So two-handed. it makes so sense. It makes sense, and they look a little bit different, which I quite like. They'll stand out. Um, and trying to get heavy chain blades is quite expensive. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, they're very hard to find in Forge World. Mm. They don't come in a set. You can get them in the power weapon upgrade set, but you get one. It's, it's one like of them annoying pounds. things. <laughs> it's one of them annoying ones where um, they come as a you know like with gw when you buy a sprue and it's got oh it comes with one melter one mm. flamer one missile launcher yeah. and you're like great i'm allowed this squad is allowed five melters and that's how i've equipped them where are my other four melters yeah they've come away from that more recently yeah with their plastic kits but yeah yeah forge world, forge is, world still, is still there <laughs> they still work that way yeah so yeah i was very happy with those and and that was all the building i did so I was just just as a, a building note, I was looking at the Blood Angel um, in Kendus class dreadnought, which is the jet. Pack oh yes. right. So on Fortress website, they have a great section on the side called key features. Um, so key features for this dreadnought is it's a flying contemptor dreadnought. Get the drop on your opponents or jump into the fray. Nice. It's a bit. <laughs> it's not really key features, is it? Wow. It's it's we've we've put a jump pack on a dreadnought. What else do you need to know? <laughs> that, that's basically what that says. <laughs> But who cares? Just get it. I'd love to be. The, I'd love to be the content editor when they were like, "Cool, you need to fill this section in." And they yeah, were like, yeah. "It's a dreadnought that flies." Yeah, get blood angel jump. players. You're the only ones that can have it. <laughs> just stop thinking about it. Just you're the only ones it. that are gonna care. Yeah. So. <laughs> just you're gonna buy it. Just get on with it. Yeah. Very funny. So shall we move on to the painting table? I yeah. Feel like you've got more to talk about. Well, you say more, okay. but no, you're right. Uh, so. Um, this this month I so I did a couple of uh, tester models for um, using the uh, Turbo Dork uh, red with a shiny red. Oh yeah. Um, and doing a online tutorial um, that I found from from Instagram, and the guy was nice enough to let, let tell me how he did it. And then I did it, and I was like, wow, mine mine really doesn't look the same as his. <laughs> like, <laughs> mine really doesn't look the same as his. Yeah. So I, I I did those, and, and basically I was I went an R in a bit about pulling the trigger on. 
doing, a, doing the metallic blood angels. And then I was looking at your blue, the photos that you posted of your blue ultramarines, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it. Who cares? Haters going to hate. The issue I have is that word bearers are are the same. They're, they're yeah, shiny. Thousand red. Suns as well. Yeah, kind of shiny red. Yeah. So we're, we're just going to go with it. Like, I no mean, one once in. you put the details on, they're going to look like you've got blood angel shoulder pads. You've got yeah. blood angel heads. Yeah. You've got the. Do they have like um the gold swirly? pattern on the heads and things like yeah, that. Yeah, on some of them, yeah. So they'll, um, they'll, they'll will, they will be different. They'll stand out. They'll stand out. And I think it's it's with this with this army, it's going to be the little detail things that are going to really make them blood angel So I'm not... I basically was like, screw it, let's just do it. And and, and we'll seek forgiveness rather than permission they look the really community. Good. So I managed to paint up um, the base coat on the 10-man tax squad and the five-man heavy weapon teams. Um, I did have one of those uh, moments of... When I was washing, the, when I was washing the resin, I literally sat there all in a giant Pyrex dish with a toothbrush and literally sat there and scrubbed yep. each piece and put it on there. And when I came to base coat the heavy weapons, I was still getting the you know when it oh, really? basically runs away from where you sprayed it. And I was, I, it, it, it annoyed me so much. I just stopped and then just yeah. put them down and then tried again a couple of days later just to see maybe it's coated it enough that I can paint over it. And it wasn't having any of it, so yeah. I then just threw them into a glass, put some boiling water on them. Not boiling. No, it's okay. They're not hot. melted. Yeah. Put hot water on them and just sat there scrubbing them more. Yeah. And and don't get wrong, paint the 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 face coat that stuck has come off. Yeah. But that's fine because it would have come off anyway because yeah. there's really sage underneath it. Um. So I literally scrubbed each piece while watching TV. And I think I did five models in like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, five um, five of the guns Missile. in an hour. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I've left them to soak for a bit just to kind of get definitely make sure that they're going to come out. And then um, when I get around to painting, I'll respray on black mm. and we'll go from there. I'm not particularly worried because um, not particularly worried because the, their guns, they're going to be painted silver. If they're a little bit kind of like not even like the metal's not shiny, it's not um, flat the entire way. Cause there's two layers of, of, of um, sorry. If there's two layers of, uh, if there's two layers of the the paint and then there's gonna be uh, obviously some that's already on there so it's gonna create that lip and I'm not overly worried because they're gonna be painted silver and it just adds a bit more detail to the metal yeah gun. it's not a problem yeah if it was on the armor I'd be a bit more trying to get that off and scrubbing a bit more trying to yeah. get as much clear as possible um so base coat red on the tactical squad base coat red on the heavy weapons team um sorted out the issue with the guns and also um I painted a scenery piece so I, I put the video of, of the of the scenery piece up on uh, the community room. So if you want to go see it, um, go and um, go and look at that. And in the last video I shared, you can even hear Kelly telling me to get a move on because we're going out. Um, <laughs> so bonus, bonus Brilliant. there. Um, so this piece, this piece came from Matt. It's a secret weapon miniature piece. No, Micro Art Studios. Micro Art Studios. Um, their hard foam, or I can't remember. They, it's got a certain name. I want to say it's hard foam. <laughs> it is foam. It is yeah. foam. Really super light. Really detailed. And Matt had it painted up in snow. And as I don't have a snowboard, that's completely pointless for me having it as snow. Mm, it painted up really well. I was worried that it was going to be a difficulty to get past the snow. Yeah. I guess the airbrush just covered it really just well. Covered it. So it, it, it all started because I had some base coat left in my, um, <laughs> some primer left in my airbrush. And what I normally do, because I'm cheap, is pour it back into the bottles that it came out of. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because I'm not worried. It's a little bit mixed I, in. I just with... make sure that I've got enough for the... See, I'm 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 more <laughs> I'm more on the side of I don't want to have to stop and refill, so I'll just pour it back in. Oh, okay. So people people at home will be like, no, nah, like put little bits in and keep adding bits in. Well, especially no, no, if no. you're putting thinner in. 
Yeah, yeah. And then you're putting that back in. The- nah, that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's just, it's okay. Um, so I'm sorry to everyone about airbrush who who's really good at airbrushing and, and is probably crying or getting angry at me now. But anyway, so I was like, well, I've got like half a a thing full because I was going to do loads of base coat yeah. and I've got half a thing full and it definitely went further than I thought it would. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to base coat a piece of terrain. Um, kind of on the back of what Tanel said about just <laughs> painting some 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 um, terrain like how it's kind of like the forgotten uh like the third army i think it's been called before um but actually actually painting it and it was on top of my my cupboard at home and i was like you know what actually i'm gonna i'm gonna spray it because at least if it's black then it would encourage me to paint it more so i base coated it the snow was a bit of a challenge because it was white but as soon as you get the angle in there as soon as you go kind of like super low pressure so it's almost dusting it 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 definitely took out the white really easily um and then because it was on the board, it just stayed there as I was rotating the different, as I was rotating the different um, squads around and, and, mm. and waiting for them to dry. It was a, okay, well, I'll just paint the first layer of red on all the barrels. So I airbrushed and um, basically this is a, I'm lazy piece of terrain where um, everything on it is airbrushed at the moment. And it, it looks okay. It looks pretty good. They will all get a wash eventually. It will be like probably make my model look good. Devil in mud. Um, just all over the the entire thing, just to kind of give it a bit. You of, mean Agrax? Sorry, Agrax Earthshade to give it a bit of <laughs> give it a bit of depth um, on the barrels and 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 to just to make it look a bit better because you know everything looks better with a bit of Agrax on it. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then I might just do some uh, uh, a light dry brush on the metal boxes, the metal crates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna rust the hell out of it with a couple of rust washes washes i've got on the there's a couple of doors like you can take into containers so i'm going to rust them up a bit i always had that um envisioned that that would be the entrance to my zm board right and i'd have like a two game thing going on yeah not anymore though no i don't own it you don't own it anymore (laughs) but i'm happy i'm genuinely happy it's so nice to clear stuff out yeah no of course so um uh so i I painted that and and that Mm. was kind of like an unexpected thing because it was just that I've got some extra time. I might as well do it now. Um, and I, I'm really happy it came out. It did make me look at the rest of the, because uh, I sorted out my gaming boards um, and it made me look at the rest of the train on the gaming boards thinking, man. I now need to repaint all of this. But that was it. And that's not a problem. I don't think that's an issue. No. It's just one of them things of, okay, it's just it's just another thing I've got to do. Yes, yeah. But um, after this DM challenge is done, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking of just taking a bit of a break from paint, from models, models. and, 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 um, from new armies and stuff with the Gene Sealer Colt and, and, and the last year of getting them done. I'm kind of just, I want to just play some games yeah. and painting terrain will encourage me to play games because I want to play on it. it is quite simple because larger services, yeah. as long as you're not going crazy detailed, they yeah. can be done very quickly. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, I've got a couple of bastions and I saw some really good tutorials about pre-shading and that mm. I want to give a go. So oh, okay, it'd, it'd cool. be cool to give those, to do those. Yeah. Terrain's really good for learning those new techniques as well. Cause again, you've got a bigger it's margin a big for scale. error. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big scale. So it'd be cool. I'm looking forward to that. Um, definitely looking forward to that one. And, um, I did some work on my Gene Steeler Cult 30 bikers. You did indeed. Yeah. Uh, I very mistakenly challenged Chris, um, who we had the interview for from exit 23 games, uh, last month. Uh, we were talking about he's starting a salamander army um, by starting he's like got a thousand points already um, and he was showing me the using turbo dork the green the like candy green or whatever it's called um, that's not what it's called at all it's got a it's got a very really cool really name. good name um, and I'm I'm completely underselling it by calling it candy <laughs> green if you want to see it 
go to their Instagram because he's put a photo up on there, oh, I cool. believe. So go to the Instagram and, and check that out and it will probably yeah. have the real green you in there. You will be hearing a advert soon. Yeah, we need to work it out. Exit 23. Yeah. We're still working that one out, but you'll hear uh, an interview. No, you've heard the interview. Yep. You'll hear an advert soon of our, of our new sponsor. And if you haven't heard the interview, go back to last month's episode and give it a yeah, listen. Definitely it is, worthwhile. Yeah, it's just an hour of us talking to him. Anyway, so he's doing a thousand points salamanders, or he's doing a two k army of salamanders. Sorry, um, and he's got a thousand points so far, and he, I think he's going to be able to get to like fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred, maybe I think just, that's what just you shy fifteen hundred. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, if it's going to encourage you to get them painted, let's have a game. Yeah. Uh, so first week of December, we're going to have a game probably at Darksphere or something like that. And um, I said that I would bring a Gene Silicon army fully painted. Um, so now I need to have a Gene Silicon army fully painted. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm going to focus on one half of the bikes. Yeah. Um, You're the... probably not going to bring 30 in that 1500. Uh... No, 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 probably not. Um, it would be really cool to see them run, but probably not. Um, and uh, so I'm going to focus on, on 15 of the bikes and get them finished. But this week um, and last week, I, I was just working on the detail um so all of them are now they've got the base coats they've got their uh metal work done the suspension's done i added a wash of agrax Earthshade, make my models look good um and uh, now i need to move on to the riders themselves which is going to be the biggest pain yeah but again splitting them to 15 and 15 will really help yeah. with that because it will feel like a pain when you get to like number 12 mm. it definitely will mm. but then there's only three left rather than another 18 yeah <laughs> completely and and i think the the first stage is to spray them spray them black and then spray them the gray for the armor mm. um so i'll do all 30 of them and airbrush the airbrush them yeah um and then just pick them out in the 15 to do the orange from the um for their jumpsuits yes so that because that's all brushwork so it's cool that's that's the next month's plan is to get them progress them another couple of steps and then also to 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 hopefully finish off at least the squad from my 30k um but your painting sorry i've talked a lot about yes, my painting that's all right um so mine's very simple so i put down both of the blues turbidork uh so that was cool ranch and dabadi as my um zenithal highlight um and they both went down on all of my ultramarines and that's that's all i've painted this month um, I should have done more, really. Mm. Um, I want, I need to get a varnish coat over the blue, and then I can just start doing the pin wash and all the brushwork. Okay. Um, and I think they'll progress quite quickly once I get past that wash, because um, then it's picking out armor Gold. bits, silvers, golds. Like, yeah, it's not too bad. Like at least the base levels of those, like the highlights and stuff, will take longer. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that done. I just need to get over that hump of doing the varnish. Yeah. I, I was saying to you, I've been a bit scared because I've never particularly gloss varnished a model, yeah. especially not halfway through yeah. a paint job. Um, and that's scaring me a little bit. Never done it. Um, and also just, I know, it's getting the air, like I still haven't got my room fully set up. So yeah. my airbrush isn't just ready to go. So it's getting it all out, setting it all up, finding the time to do that, getting the varnish in there giving it a little bit of a practice go, then knocking it out and doing them all mm. and then letting them dry. And then you have to do a second coat four hours later. Mm. And it's like having the time and space where I can leave stuff out to do that. Yeah. It's pretty much difficult. Yeah, I get that. I won't say impossible, but difficult. No, no, because nothing's, nothing's impossible. Everything no. is possible. It's yeah, just yeah. you've got to have the motivation. Yeah, it's tough. So I'm hoping, funny enough, uh, it's school half term for our kids next week. Brilliant. Um, what perfect time to spray some models. 
Well, so Jenny's going out a lot with Caleb to keep him busy, but obviously I've still got work. Yeah, you still so have things to do. So there's a few slots where there's time I'll be at home, but I'll be on my own because she's out for the entire day. Mm. So I might try and squeeze it in and make it, this is the opportunity I have, I must take it. Yeah. She'll force my hand, basically. And then after that, I should be able to start painting. Cool. Now, I really want to, this evening, put the varnish down so that I can paint them for the hobby hangout tomorrow. Yep. Um, but I, it might not happen. I might have to paint some Tyranids. Which isn't a bad thing. No, but, no. Um, I want to paint the Ultras because they're currently in a time challenge, whereas yeah. the Tyranids are not. Um, so yeah, but that's that's all I've done on my painting table. Sounds fun. Playing the game? Yes. So I've um, not added any notes in. but No, neither have I really. We've been playing <laughs> uh, ZM uh, yes. quite a bit. So I've had, uh, I think, maybe two games of ZM now. Um, maybe three yeah, games. I think I've played five now. Yeah, so it, we, I'm not going to talk about them every time because they're quite small games and stuff. And mm. um, I've, I've played pretty much same list, Night Lords, um, you know, um, Dreadnought, Inventory. Yeah, like kind of standard ZM list, really. Yeah, and I've been playing Mechanicum, so I've I've been Be- taking beating me every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've been playing Mechanicum. I've got uh, a 15 man squad of um, uh, what are they called. Covenant, uh, Odalaris, Adalaris, Karen, the the mindless so, guys, the yeah, zombies, yeah. Um, and a six man squad of um, Thalax. Thalax and two Castellax running on their own. Yeah, with a Magos. with a Magos sort of popping up and around when you need to, and then a uh, squad of outflanking Vorax. Oh yeah, they're they're oh. fun. But I haven't been able to play them as Tagmata. No, as um, Cybernetica. Cybernetica because of the restrictions in place for Cybernetica. Mm. So they have just been running as Tagmata. I do like that uh, for ZM though. Like you have to. Re- you know, some legions and armies can get away with running those kind of lists yeah. because they've got very little uh, minimum restrictions. Yeah. But most actually would struggle. Yeah. Um, and so you tend to find it's even more of a level playing field because everyone's mm. just running unit and unit. Yeah. And it's all about placement, you're measuring, making sure you're getting the charge off. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's stuff like, so the real only, the only real, I guess, benefit for... Um, for my my list is the advanced like the twenty four inches um, almost command range from the the Magos, which yes. means I have to roll if they're outside the twenty four. It goes down to twelve as a normal normal um, normal Magos. So it means that actually I have to think more about keeping them together, and rather than spreading out and going to different objectives, I've actually had to keep them all together so, so mm. they don't go a bit. It's like synapse for Tyranids. <laughs> yeah, no, effectively that's that's yeah. it. It's synapse for with the Mechanicum um, twist on it. So it's. Uh, it's all right. I've been I've been enjoying them. I've been enjoying the games. I think your comments that you've added to the notes are are probably really true. They're the ZM games we've been playing have been a fantastic 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 way of being able to learn 30k again. Yes. Um. Because I, I found I basically forgotten everything about 30k and was playing through my rule book. Yeah. Um. And and my book to uh my my Mechanicum book so that I was learning the units and stuff and trying not to use Battle Scribe and. Um, where it just feeds you the rules. I've been trying to actually navigate using the book. Um, so it's been really good to be able to get back into a 30k game mm. on a Tuesday that we can play. Um, Tuesday, for those that don't know, is the night that we all get together and, and geek out. Um, and we do it for about two hours, two and a half, three hours yeah. um, sort of time. So get, getting a 2k 3k uh, 30k game in just isn't going to isn't gonna happen. Not right now. Not right now. Um, so the ZM has been perfect because mm. the ZM games last about an hour, hour and a half if you're taking time. And um, 
it's it's just been really great to be able to to play to play some games. Yeah, so I've played four or five games now, um, and played your Mechanicum, played Ben's Imperial Fists, mm. uh, maybe twice. Yeah, probably. Um, and I'm trying to think what was the other one, but I feel like I've played four or five. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I'd say about Zone Mortalis is they need some spicier missions. They are very it's standard. two missions, really. Yeah. Two missions. You have slight difference because you roll a D3 and you get slightly different results. Mm. Uh, but that's just after your deployment, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you've got three missions there. And to be honest, one's kill everything. Yep. One's, there's some objectives. Yep. And the other one is kind of a mix of in between. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's it needs a little bit more spice to mm. it. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can write your own ones. Uh, I'm already thinking of one or two that I've got in my head that I'd like to maybe give a go um, and come up with some interesting ways of playing. The other thing I'd say is we were obviously using it as a way of learning 30k to start with. Mm. So we haven't done much of the environmental stuff. I think I mean, our last game we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to remember to roll it, I think. Yeah. What they might, might might be good is a cheat card laminated of the. Yeah, I need effects. to print the rules off. We've yeah. been using them on phones and iPads. Yeah, and yeah. You just don't look at it again. Whereas this big bit of paper in the way, you're like, "What's this? Oh yeah, it's the rules. Yeah. Oh yeah, we need to roll this chart." Um, I also want to try out the stratagems. Yeah. So there's a second kind of. Uh, it probably feels very normal now with eighth edition. But you have stratagem and command points kind mm. of thing that you you spend, um, and I haven't looked at that at all yet. And we don't play with the stuff like doors and locked doors. No, we haven't really doors. got bored yet with that kind of stuff. Not yet. Um, so yeah, that there there are extra things on top that I think will make the games more um, vibrant. Yeah. But I've I've been enjoying playing. Like you say, it's been getting games in. I've actually played some. I've enjoyed each game. Been able to play the Night Lords after nearly a year of not playing them. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, really enjoying Heresy at the moment, which is good because we're doing a Zone Mortalis challenge. So it all works. It all works. So quick question: uh, You know the the fifteen model rule that we yes. play, where you can't have a unit more than fifteen models. Yeah. So Tom from our group brought up a really interesting a really interesting point if you read the full rule i don't think that's true oh. so the rule says i've just pulled up it up says no unit may have a starting size greater than 15 models before being joined by an independent character yes so that doesn't say no unit may have a starting size of more than 15 models it says no unit may have a starting size of more than 15 models if being joined by an independent character so can I no, a... no, I think what it means is not if you're joining a character, it's more um it has to be it can't be fifteen after you've joined a character. No unit may have a starting size greater than fifteen models before being joined. Yeah, so you can't have a unit more than fifteen. Yeah. But adding an independent character doesn't come into your calculation of fifteen. Right. So it could technically be a sixteen man unit. Or that's what I think it's saying. Right. It's interesting though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was like the way I read it, read it is both ways, but no. <laughs> I'm very, very sure that it's 15 models, but if you add an independent character to that, yeah. it can be 16. So if you add 15 of your covenant and then added the magos to yeah, attach yeah. to them, that's fine. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd only be able to take 14. Yeah. Because you'd have to get that 15. So well, like, to make it easier, the character doesn't count, but 15 is your cap. 
It's almost like it needs a bit of punctuation in there. Yeah, but that's a standard Games Workshop problem. No unit may have a starting size greater than 15 models, full stop, before being joined by an independent character. Yeah. Or semicolon. But I'm, I'm, I'd almost say 100%. Yeah. Like you can never be 100%, but I'm like 99.9. It's the whole um, rules as written versus rules as interpreted, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so I agree. I think it needs to have some some spicier, probably isn't the right word, but, but some yeah, probably. a more variety of missions. Yeah, um, it'd be nice to have six rather yeah, than six. three, you know? But I mean, there are events like um, uh, Edge of Empires mm-hmm. who um, run ZM as part of their their last event. So they might have, a, might have more missions that they can yeah, share. Yeah, well, a lot of events do have you know, their own narrative written missions for yeah. Zone Mortalis that you can find online. I've found some from Adepticon a couple of years ago. Right. Um, so they're out there. The other thing is you can play standard missions. Just inside You could of... play the standard six missions and just play them in Zone Mortalis. You might, there might be one or two that don't mix. Oh, we should definitely do the Relic. I haven't played the Relic in ages. <laughs> oh. That'd be so good talking, in Zone Mortalis. Talking, talking, talking 40k now. No, I know, but, but, <laughs> but playing the Relic in 30k. Yeah, it would in, be in, interesting. Like, yeah. Almost like capture the status tube, the status yeah. tube that's got a either a hero in it or, well, no, it could have a hero from one side and yeah. someone they want to capture on the other. Man, that's a great one. We should do that. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, cool. Well, I think we should probably keep this going. I think that's everything from playing the game. Um, the only thing we were talking about before we recorded, which okay, actually yes. wanted to carry on this conversation. Yes, we said this was a good spot. So, cool. so we were talking earlier about um the leaks that have happened for uh the armies. So there's a list that's gone round of new stuff they're bringing out, and obviously yes. on there, like the Dark Uprising Necrom Underbox. Yeah. So, so on there is Mephiston. He is indeed. He's, and, he's quite low down on the list. I well, wonder if that's... There's Psychic Awakening, Blood Angel, uh, Devastation of Baal, basically, oh, type stuff. So there is a... Uh, that's, it's not called Devastation of Baal. That's completely wrong. No, of course it is. And that was the last narrative campaign. But um, um, yeah, it'll be cool. something like that. It doesn't matter, dude. <laughs> it matters to me. Oh. It's got my thing on it. Um, oh, actually, where has it gone? Exactly. <laughs> so so, uh, so they've got, it's called Psychic Awakening, Blood of Baal. So, I feel like Blood Angels are going to get the new codex. Soon yeah, of course. They are. With with that, and and we were talking before about the fact that I'm going to put a pause on Blood Angels, and um, because I don't really feel that the the faction that I've got is kind of working. It's it's all old school for it's all the old school Marines. There's no Primaris in there, um, and seeing um, Chris's uh, Salamanders being done oh, yes. has made me go oh, actually Primaris are pretty cool. Um, and we were talking before about Primaris Marines um, and how actually can you have an army now of old old school Marines and not have any Primaris? But, yes, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, is it a viable... Like, they've, been, like, they've been kicked up a notch with the yeah. whole extra attack in the first round of, of combat. So you yeah, then I mean, got... the Primaris Marines get that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. But yeah, it, it, it does help. It depends on what your list looks like, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's very rare now to see a Space Marine list without any Primaris. Yeah. And I think it's going to become more and more common. And, I mean, you could have called this when Primaris was day dot. Yeah, know? yeah. There, um, always there gonna... will be more and more all Primaris forces. Yeah. There will just be more because that that's the way they go in and that's what they're going to support. And slowly things will disappear in a couple of years or so. No more Marines. Yeah. 
Which is sad. I, I do like Marines. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're talking very long term. I, I don't think they're going to pull that quickly. But uh, as you get more and more of the Primaris range, you know, you've got your Devastator versions, you've got your Assault versions nearly, yeah. you've got your Aggressors as Tap Marines, you've got Reavers for Scouts, yeah. you've got the Impulsor now as the Rhino mm. and the Predator Tank thing and the Land Raider one, which was the very first one, Repulsor maybe. Mm. Um, they're, they're coming, you know, soon enough there'll be a Primaris Storm Raven. Can't wait. But then you can put Primaris in because currently you can only put Primaris in Primaris vehicles. That's how you yeah. kind of do it. You slowly bring out the vehicles that means you get a more variety of transport and you'll see them getting used over normal Storm Ravens and when the sales of those drop completely off the board, why keep them? They'll go the way of the squats. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, and uh, what does excite me though is that Dante isn't on that list which means my Primaris... My Primaris upgrade guy is going to be Mephisto. It's probably going to be Mephisto. Which I'm so, so psyched about. That makes a lot of sense to me because Dante is very, very old and probably wouldn't survive the transformation. I mean, Dante can survive anything. Yeah, but I don't... I, don't I've, I heard once that Dante was shot in the face without his mask on and he still survived. <laughs> That's because he's already an uggo. It's because he's already... <laughs> only, that was, yeah. Um, what else was we talking about before? I feel like that um, had more substance when we were talking about it before. Uh, yeah, it probably did. I think... What were we talking about? I was talking about how I'm very tempted. Well, not very tempted, but I was reflecting on Warhammer 40,000 and how I'm not playing it really that much. And I have all these different lists that are all incomplete and getting frustrated with that and yeah. thinking, I need to cut this down and randomly found myself looking at my Space Wolves and thinking they may be the ones to go. Yeah. Which upsets me so. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm not that much interested in the Primaris. I don't think I ever particularly will be. Not right. because, ooh, Primaris, I have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. But just Marines were certain... Like I, The way I play my Marines is the way I play my Marines. And until they decide to do that list but all Primaris, I'm not going to go Primaris. Yeah, I understand. Um, so I suppose it comes back to that question of, yeah, is it worth playing? Is it a list that I just shelf? If I'm going to shelf them, well, actually, I could do with that money to invest in other things. Um, yeah, it was a scary thought process. Hmm. Um, that's the only other thing I think we were talking about. Getting rid of stuff. Yeah. And Cutting down the armies. Clearing out and having something to focus on rather than just, oh, all this stuff everywhere. It do, I do feel like my focus on 40K has been very scattershot this mm. year. Like this is more of the reflection of the year type stuff, but yeah. <laughs> it, it does feel like it's been very everywhere. Um, yes. And I've built a new faction in a year and I haven't really played them very much. And what a waste of money that was, Simon. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Next year could be good. Yeah. But yeah, think... it might be that you play them a few times. You go, actually, I'm not that interested and they, just... they go. Yeah. You know, at least you can sell a fully painted army. Living the dream. Can't put pro painted on it though. Don't be that guy. I mean... I am a professional of some kind and I did paint them. <laughs> so they are technically pro-painted. Ah, I see. I see. I see the logic now. Right. Let's let's move this rambling yeah, on yeah. to the Warp Storm poll. So this is the uh, segment where we will uh, we do a poll. It's posted on the Adeptus Terror podcast community safe room. The T-A-T-P No, stop it. Oh. Don't get it wrong. T-A-T-P safe room. That's how it is. That's what you type in in the little search bar. Is, that, is it really? Yeah. Uh, so it's the, the Depths of Terror podcast uh, safe room 
Um, and every month we put a poll on there. And last month's poll was which army slash faction do you least like playing against? Uh, feel free to add Y in the comments. Um, if you select a broad faction, please specify in the comments. So we added in um, Tyranids, Armies of Chaos, Armies of the Imperium, Orcs, Necrons, Tau and Eldar. Yes, so we didn't want to have 50 different options. Well, yeah, because if you um, look at the Imperium well, and Just Chaos, the Imperium and Space Marine chapters. It's like blam. Could be insane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it was like areas or ranges. So Armies of Chaos could easily be Demons, could easily be Marines, could yeah. be a mixture, could whatever. You could specify in the comments. Yeah. Um, and um, what we what we normally do is we talk about it, what we would vote for. We then read out the results and then we read out the comments. But we're going to slightly change that up. We're going to start by reading out the comments, uh, then have a little bit of a discussion around it from mine and Matt's POV. Um, and then we're going to read out the uh, the overall results of the yeah, poll. Big reveal at the end. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, we've gone through. There, there are there are quite a lot of comments on um, underneath the poll. And if you're interested in reading them all, please go and and, and have a look um, on, on there. We've picked out a few that kind of agree with us, contradict us. Well, spark co uh, conversation. Yeah, indeed. We should say, um, yeah. So let's start with comments. So my first comment that I pulled out is from Thomas Stoley. Um, and he said, uh, I dislike playing against ta uh, typical Tau players. A uh, majority of them tend to go for the gun line, static army, which is just boring to play against. I'm a Tau player myself. Uh, that's Thomas, not me, because I'm not a Tau player. Uh, or at least in uh, one third. And I'd rather play a less competitive style super mobile army, which actually makes more sense in the fluff. Uh, to further add to my comment, I dislike playing against meta armies uh, that make no sense in the fluff and present no challenges for the player commanding them without crazy gambles, risky tactics on both sides, and the game stop, stops being enjoyable. Tower gun line or guard mass artillery with infantry are such examples. I, I somewhat agree to this. I, mm. I've played um, mainly Neil with Tower. Yeah, he's like the nicest Tau player you'll ever meet. He was dubbed that by a few different people when really? we went to an event. Yeah, because he had one Riptide. Yeah. He was like, yeah. no one does this. This was back when Riptide was the, the meta, the new hotness as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like everyone was bringing three. Yeah. And he was like, no, I would never bring more than one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's that gun line type, and then especially when it's gun line, you charge in with maybe an assault based army, and then everyone gets a pop at you type type stuff. Yeah. Um which is which is hard to combat and, and that's yeah. a style of play. Um but I, I'm I'm not um au fait enough with the towel fluff mm. to go that's right or wrong. Um Yeah, I, I, the thing is nowadays as well, they've written into their law enough to make most armies make sense. Yeah. You know, it's like you can bring a whole marine company of Terminators and it makes sense. Like, you know, doing that at like 5,000 points would not make sense because they probably don't own that much Terminator armor. But you can have the first company of vets and all that stuff. So I like the more open style of the force organizations. I think the the point that Tomas is coming at is the, the, that meta style. This is the best way of playing. So I'm going to throw out any of the idea of the law and just go with that because mm. it's the strongest way of playing. Yeah. And I think that's more about mentality of the person playing the army rather than even the army. So his examples, you know, Tau gun line, guard mass, infantry, uh, and artillery. Well, if you were playing Death Corps Krieg, it should be a bunch of infantry and artillery. Yeah. That's fluff. Yeah. It's currently strong. Yeah. But if you were playing that before it was when it was less strong. Before it's a new hot. Um, 
then you kind of have almost a bit of a buy. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think a lot of this does come down to who have you played that owns that race. Yeah. Because I, I quite enjoy playing the Tau, even the Tau Gunline, because the person I play with Tau is Neil, and Neil's a really nice, fun opponent. Is he? Yeah, I love playing against Neil. He's a bit of a dice thrower. What do you mean? Like you know, when he gets upset and he throws his dice he around, flips the table. He's quite an angry man. No, he's not. He's pretty don't, angry. Don't tell lies. <laughs> he's got no energy to be angry. He works all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know he had a job? I didn't know he had a job. Oh. Um, and and kind of flip side to this. Uh, next comment is from Tom. Uh, Tom is our uh, he, he's in our gaming group. Um, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying because he does is the truth. Um, he goes to quite a lot of competitions, and so his Eldar force that he plays mm. is quite. Uh, it's built to 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 win. That's it's fair. a strong list. It's yeah. a strong list. It's, it's, it's it, he's refined it to the point to be able to to take down. Well, I don't think he's ever lost against any of us. Not with his elder. Not definitely. with his elder. So it's that kind of. And we're not very good players anyway. But it's no, it's built true. to. It's it it built to. It <laughs> yeah, don't build him up too much. I yeah, think, yeah. I think, he, he's yeah. probably still crap. He, he's not winning but... competitions. <laughs> <laughs> he's alright anyway. Oh, yeah. Um. So Tom is a uh, Tom. Tom's coming from more of a um. London GT competitive style of play. Mm. Um, but his comment is, I'd say overall, there are three things I've been struggling with in most games. The current Chaos meta list is difficult to deal with. Uh, my army lacks a lot of potency when I uh, I can't get my psychic powers off. Fast moving horde armies uh, are difficult to screen play, screen playing a typical elite army. And finally, I discovered at the weekend's uh, House Tyrannus. 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 He spelled that wrong. Yeah. Uh, that the weekend the house tyrannus knights are very fun when they can uh, they can stand back up at the end of phase one at the end of phase for one command point that's pretty sick yeah don't i'm i'm sad that you put that in there because suddenly it's like oh sam's knights are gonna come no out. no the knights are going the knights are being sold <laughs> they're not i i i can't do them yes. i can't uh, not the way i want to anyway um so he, his main three things are basically dealing with metalists um, as his army lacks potency when he can't get his psychic powers off. His army is built around a lot of psychic buffs. Mm. Um, so if he doesn't get them, which I've never seen him not get them because his <laughs> dice rolls are amazing. Um, if they can't get them off because of uh, combating psychic powers, then then that must be really difficult for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting one. I feel like Tom's comments kind of, these are the things I struggle with playing against most yeah. rather than I least enjoy playing against, possibly. Mm. Which is two of the um, same thing. I, I'll have people. to ask him. Yeah, and, and can be, yeah. Um, I think it can be frustrating if that's what you're facing all the time Yeah. as well. With that competitive mindset, if you go to an event and all you play is Chaos Meta, Chaos Meta, Knights that can stand back up, Chaos Meta, yeah. you're going to be like, I really dislike playing against those. Yeah, yeah. So I think variety is kind of the, the spice of life, as they <laughs> say. Um, and being at events where there are, are the opportunity to be very different armies yeah. probably makes that event so much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So, yeah, so it kind of complements Tomas's first point of I dislike playing meta this. And Tom, who is a competitive player, but not like, here is my meta. Yeah, yeah. Um, Here's my three. Also says that as a competitive edge. So, yeah. meta is the problem. Meta is the problem. Uh, <laughs> next up is Matt Potter. Um, he said that Armies of the Imperium, it was his choice um, to least like playing against um, because it's all I ever seem to come across. Variety is the spice <laughs> of life. That's hilarious. I didn't even read that. So, uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I agree with this. If you're only ever playing in the same small group. So like, mm. for instance, I, um, I play Tom a lot. Um, and so that means I play Elder a lot, which means actually I'm quite bored of playing Elder. 
Um, now he wouldn't be affronted if I said, "Can you bring your ta- uh, your Necrons, for instance?" Because or I his orcs. Always orcs. He's got other factions, um, but we always seem to play against Eldar. And actually, I can imagine if you're only ever playing a one type of faction, like the Imperium, all the time, then actually it would get pretty boring, yeah. uh, and you'd least like to play against them. I think this is what led our group to expanding, and it just got a bit too out of hand. Yeah, because a lot of us had the Space Marine Army or the Imperial Guard Army as our starting armies. You know, you did Blood Angels, I had Space Wolves, Simon had his Dark Angels, Yeah. Um, Tom, uh, Ben was Guard, Tom was Salamanders. Like Most of the people that we played was Marine on Marine, loyal, yeah. Loyalist on Loyalist, you know, not the right language. but um, Well, you say that. Joe Gecko's comment, which is next, uh, is, I don't always like squaring my Dark Angels off against other Imperial mm. armies. People insist on driving the Dark Angels are traitors and uh, stick into the ground. Um, it's funny for the first turn and I'll roll with it but unless you have some original material let it go yeah, let it go let it go <laughs> yeah, sorry we'll cue the music here no, um, don't but, do that <laughs> so completely kind of agreeing with what you just said mm. of if you've just been play, we almost when we were doing our, our Imperium phase of our gaming group mm. we were having to drive up this whole fluff of well it's a training mission I hate or, that that well, is the oh that is a massive <laughs> problem with me <laughs> I hate it. I hate that one so much. Oh, it's a training mission that we're killing each other. We're not killing each other. It's it's just like in fake, Starship fake Troopers. Bullets. It's Starship Troopers where they're wearing the packs yeah. and the guy gets shot in they're the face. They're playing laser tag. Laser tag. We're laser oh, wow. tag Marines. Yeah, yeah. How lame is that? <laughs> that is my problem. What do you mean? It's not lame. It's so awful. But anyway, clearly Matt doesn't like that one. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but, but I, our gaming group got to the stage of agreeing and not liking that and, and actually started to diversify which led mm. to our um i love power armor so i was always gonna do power armor so that led to our our green skins versus um gray, uh, knights. gray knights escalation yes that led to simon bringing back his um orcs. his orcs that led to tom starting dark elder i also did tyranids like two or three times in yeah, there we're, we're gonna forget your tyranids <laughs> for now until, uh, until we see a completed army um so it led to the diversification yeah, of our some more chaos pop up chris started chaos and, uh, and actually we, we started having a lot more games that weren't marine on marine and to the point uh, where actually if if you were like i want to play my space wars i would deliberately now not bring my marines yes. because i don't have to yeah um and i've got guard and they can always be chaos guard and you can make it work you if can you really, work around really things to. yeah yeah um but yeah Next up is uh, the comment from Adam Sellers, which is a mixed soup of Imperial armies. Uh, another comment on um, uh, metalists, I guess. Yeah. Where it ain't the narrative that they drive just a big boot of kick up my bum. Um, <laughs> but on a more serious note, I uh, like, uh, like to play dynamically different armies, dynamic different armies, as it gives good games more often than hard counters to everything. every armies where games are shut down. Now Imperial armies where it's all themed around a story and not optimised, then that's a different story. Feel of older Eldar lists before the latest FAQ were also in, were also in this boat. Mm. Um, so obviously Elder and the latest FAQ got a, a bit of a, a big uh, revamp. Um, so that's what that's relating to. But actually that, that whole comment from what I'm pulling from it is um, disliking meta gaming and actually favouring more narrative Imperial armies. Yeah. Shocking that our listeners... <laughs> feel that way i mean i feel like we give solid meta list planning advice oh, for people of course yeah on how to win games spend at least two hours an episode talking about this is latest. how you win kill everyone kill everyone <laughs> win i mean i mean yeah winnings 
Have you won a game in a while? No, dude. <laughs> I, I genuinely can't remember the last time I've won. Well, no, that's not true. In 40k, I have no idea when the last win was. Because um, I've won... Did you win against Ben's yeah. Imperial Fist? No, I think we drew, actually. Oh, but I think I've had a win in the ZM. Because normally when I tell Kelly I've played you at, uh, um, on the Tuesday night, he's, she's like, oh, did Matt lose again? Oh, so it's, it's, come, it's got yeah. to the stage Do you know where... what? There was like a year and a half where I was undefeated. Yeah. Glory of fifth edition Space Wolves. <laughs> um, since then, you know what? It was the podcast. Yeah. I would have been the meta player if it wasn't for the podcast. We can, we can tw- change it. We can become no, a meta podcast. We definitely like. can't. I'm now an adult. I like I dish like I like soup. Yeah, you do actually. No, you, no. you'd happily go. Here's my guard. Here's my little <laughs> bit of blood angels. Here's my knight. Yeah, you yeah. would. You would be that love player. a good. Love a good soup concoction. Yeah. I heard the um, you know, the Primarch floaty tank. All of them. All of them. Um, I heard <laughs> them parked in a triangle with a light with a um, different units in each and uh, a guy in the middle, the the Primarch lieutenant, to give them all buffs. Is yeah. a good good way of playing. Yeah, um, woohoo, woo, fun. That's not soup though. That's all, all Primaris. Oh, is that not so, what soup, soup is? Lots oh, of soup is mixed. Yeah. Okay. So what annoys me about soup about armies when they do that is when and 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 actually Tom does this, so it's actually probably a, quite a competitive thing to do, is not fulfilling a um an army list like an army um force organization. All right, just taking the minimum. Taking the minimum to get another. I, I just can't do that. I just it, it does doesn't sit right with me. Mm. Even I'll take like three HQs and like six troop, which in theory could make up a lot of like three detachments. Yeah, but just it, I just can't. It doesn't work for, <laughs> for me. I I just don't see that. When I write lists, I don't go. You know what I need? I need three force orgs. Well, that's because everyone's trying to get more command points. I mean, I'd have to remember to bring my cards to look at command points. Yeah, and actually of, play them. Yeah. The amount of times I just don't play command points. Yeah, that 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 speaks of our level of knowing the meta. Yeah. <laughs> we could we could win if we wanted to. We just choose not to. Let's keep going. Matthew Catron. Uh, I cannot understand the existence of the Adeptus Custodes. They are the bodyguard for the four-armed Corp Emperor on Terra. Corpse Emperor on Terra. They hide behind the walls. Papa Dawn built. Um, and uh, the only time I'm aware they crawled out from under the shadow of the throne, uh, the small squad was sacrificed uh, by Lorgar, uh, resulting in the demon invasion of our universe. Great job, guys. Uh, they are <laughs> even considered pompous by other Space Marines legions on uh, legion standards. On the table, they are far and away the poster child for Mary Sue armies. I don't know what that means. Um, they come based with unbelievable saves, superior shooting and punching, uh, each grunt comes with a standard of the wounds that make a Primaris ca- character almost jealous. And don't forget the unbelievable saves that make no sense. <laughs> it's like they asked the eight-year-old son of insert eighth edition Codex writer here. Sixth edition Codex writer here. Sixth edition Codex writer here. You know make, who he's talking about. He wrote the Blood Angel one. Yeah, whatever. To make up a chapter and uh, poof, you get custodes. No, not bitter they exist. Just find it a reasonable reaction to to Jesus flip the table when they are deployed. <laughs> Uh, posting for a friend, brilliant, amazing. I love this comment when it came up. It was it was posting amazing. Posting for a friend is the perfect way of ending <laughs> that. That's so good. Do you not know what a Mary Sue is? I, I don't get that reference. Mary Sue is like a character that has no faults and just overpowered. So oh. lots of people can. Um, Why is that a Mary Sue? What's that? Um, I can't remember the origin of the name. Right. I think it's the first one that they did in a movie or something I right. know. Okay. Um and again don't quote me on that. But <laughs> like they a lot of people accused Ray in the new Star Wars right. as a Mary Sue because right. she doesn't know the force. She's some f- uh, scavenger on Jakku and then all of a sudden she's like beating 
Kylo Ren, who's trained been trained for and years can and years. do Jedi mind tricks and all that stuff. Yeah, and within, just... within a, a couple of days, and look hot doing it. Yeah, sure. Um, so okay, I get it now. That's a Mary Sue. So yeah, and and Custos do definitely feel that way. They have definitely bent the law of the forty first millennium. We should say not the heresy. Yep. Uh, although you can play full armies in the heresy as well, which eh, I do feel they should be restricted a bit because they are they are like so if, if you're what, going with law, what yes. was the book in the thirty in in, in the Horus Heresy where you were the guys trying to assassinate the emperor? Uh, oh, what the custody is trying to see uh, about breaking into the palace. Yeah, and they do that challenge um, where it's a short story. See how close, and he nearly cuts the emperor's throat. He gets very very close. Yeah, I mean he was never going to be able to succeed, but I mean I almost would. Try nah. it as a custode? Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of their job. That's what they were doing. Yeah. And then they go and investigate a dude who they yeah. think's working for Horus. Yeah. And Dawn's like, we know. We're feeding him false information. So um, it, it, <laughs> it, it, does feel, it does feel very much like, um, like uh, the Inquisition. They should always be a, uh, a detachment for, to join an army, not the main force. Like, I'd never yeah. imagine they'd go, you know what we're going to do? Let's send out 100 custodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like here's here's the watch captain with his squad of guardians. Yeah, they've now joined the army, but mm. that doesn't sell models. No, and I think the way you could easily balance this with a fluff point of view is to like the the old Inquisition Codex of Seventh Edition was to just make it as a supplement that you can't ever take a full force of them. Yes, you can you can do that. I mean, they decided to go a certain way with a narrative. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to sit here and go, they did a wrong job. Because no, no, it's no. theirs and not mine. Exactly. And everyone tries to direct stuff nowadays. Yeah. Everything yeah. has to be perfect and be directed by me. And it's like, well, actually, they know what they're doing. If I disagree with it, I disagree with it. Yeah. but And they are really expensive, like points-wise. Yeah, yeah, are... yeah. Yeah, they are strong. Mm. I think... Matt's point is one that I would agree with that I I disagree with where they went with them in the 41st millennium yeah which was hey there's this giant rift now so all the custodes are leaving Terra because we need to fight back the massive invasion of chaos so the emperor is now unprotected there's still some there oh there's still a, a but, bodyguard yeah there's there's some but a lot less so we've now taken off our leather straps and put on our golden armor kind of to go outside yeah on mass We've gone outside and in that's our normal why, clothes. So, so it seems like, oh, we've now just invented these new crazy jetpacks. They were always there, yeah, but they weren't being used. They were in storage and some armory on Terra yeah. because the Custos never left Terra. Yeah. Now there's a new order of, no, we need you. We're going to go out. Whether you agree with that choice or not is kind of a bit irrelevant. That's why there is an army. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I feel like but I, I also go, they're there, so whatever. I feel I might start the custodes. Yeah, you are definitely a custodes player. It would make complete sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they would be great as a ally detachment. Yeah. I really do. I think it'd be really cool. You get, one, just something that looks very different. Yep. And you get to paint something different, and it would be a cool add-on mm. to an army. Um, but yeah. It's almost I'm, like doing a thousand-point force of them. To, if you ever want to play a thousand-point game, would be on their own, and then actually being able to go, cool, let's play a 2,000-point force and then I'll take 500 points worth of custodes with my Blood Angels just yeah. to give a bit of variety. Yeah. And then that would be a soup? Uh, more towards a soup, yes. There's okay. only two ingredients. So but... like water and carrots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the custodes <laughs> and the carrots. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We kind of went a bit went a bit off there. One. However, 
Matthew doesn't like playing against yeah, fair uh, enough. Custodes. And that's the question we asked. And the last one, which I believe is probably the most important faction to hate, um, Dan Fitton said, Tau, I have ne- just never had a fun game with them. The first game I played against them was Riptide Wing 7th Edition. Spoilers, it didn't go well. <laughs> Though I do have to point out that it is a 30% list and 70% player. If I played a narrative theme from, say, someone like Striking Scorpion's Tau Army, then that would be a fun game. Mm. So... I think this is kind of a really great way to end the comment section because it kind of draws together everything we've, we've said. Um, anyway, it's it's 30% list, 70% player. If you're playing yeah. against a doo-doo head, then you're going to have a bad game. <laughs> a div, we used to call it. A them. div. We haven't done div in a while. No. Um, if, you play, if you're playing against a div, then of course it's going to be a bad game. I think... Yeah, it um, doesn't matter what faction they're playing. No. my my. I think I had my most epiphany-shattering... Sh- uh, uh, earth-moving moment when I played with, when I was playing against Tanel. Yeah. And he was saying about how actually he doesn't get to game very often. Yeah. So why get upset over games mm. and get really lost in the game? And actually, if there's a role that you fluffed or if you're if it's like a seven-inch charge and you roll six or you then measure and it's not in or out, yeah. then what's the point in going, well, ah, no, you can't do that. Yeah. You're in. Just It doesn't matter. You're going to get in regardless. Like, let's just enjoy the fact that we're actually having a game. Everybody chill out. But that's it. Yeah. And that's Tanel, like that's Tanel's game thing. And it, it scares me. Yeah, and like, he's quite a man a who plays custodes. Exactly. That's and, why though. I mean, yeah, the, he plays custodes. He wants to, he wants me to get into assault with him because he knows he'll absolutely <laughs> yeah. slaughter me. It doesn't matter whether you're there or not, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is but it is one of them things where I think even if he was playing, say, uh Nidzilla or Tyranid style gaming. Um, where obviously they are the worst faction. They didn't get any votes in the worst faction. No, it's really interesting. Which really surprised me as, as that thing, which means they're just no threat at all to anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, even, yeah. I, I just think that even if he was playing those, he still would be like, cool, I don't sure. get to play very often. Let's have a good game. Which I, I, I really aspire to do. Yeah. And I find it really difficult in the moment to not be like, no, I must punch your face repeatedly <laughs> until you stop breathing type yeah. playing. Yeah. I mean, you do. I'm like a bad to... competitive player. Yeah. You do tend to not win as many games playing that way but who cares I mean yeah because that means I was playing more games yeah like if people wanted to play me more like yeah but going back to that Tyranid thought as we're going to kind of reveal the results in a minute oh sorry I have given a bit of a spoilers they got zero votes they got zero (laughs) votes and I think that's really interesting because our two main points of reasons why people disliked playing things was either that they were crazy strong and can be manipulated that way meta soups all that stuff um, or that they didn't see the point of them in the narrative. Yeah. So the Custodes comment. The Tyranids are actually quite difficult to get narratively wrong because they're quite eat a everything. lot. Yeah, eat everything. But also, your your only troop choices you've got are Griblies. Like you can make a kind of list that it has none, but just if you play Tyranids, you're going to have Griblies. It's almost like just a thing that happens. And if you're part of the the Tyranid. Um, 40k group it's how many gribblies can you have yeah so a guy the other day was like I, I was bored so I counted up all of my term against the Hormigans and I have 120 which no I have 130 which doesn't make even 30 man squads so now I need to buy more yeah <laughs> who does that who goes yeah. I need more awesome. because awesome they, oh. um, but yeah so they they fit the narrative very easily and they're not that strong in terms of power level of codex I mm. would imagine um so they didn't get any votes. It's fine. Psychic Awakening. They're coming. 
Yeah. Two we'll minutes see. will be the new meta. We'll see. Just, pick... in, just in time, I'll buy all my 2K <laughs> and then they'll bring out a new thing and my, it'll just it'll mess like everything up. It'll be like 1,200 points. I'll be like, great, thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Tyranids, zero votes. Mm. Very so I think we've kind of talked along when we've been doing the comments. I don't think there's anything else we need to add. No, I think those. we'll go through these. I, I would like to comment on each race very briefly. Sure. So with one vote, we have Necrons. Indeed. Surprised me. Yep. I don't know if it's because people aren't as drawn to the army. I, do you know what? Because they're very strong. Uh, but are they? Yeah. They, maybe it's because they don't play times. very often so the only ta- the only um, Necron army that we would have now is Tom yeah um, and it's a very basic army it's not got anything weird or crazy in it no but I mean the vehicles just ignoring D6 damages yeah very easily yeah they've is, got the shield thing so strong in itself I've played them twice with my Space Wolves and shot Long Fangs who are very decent and can shoot twice sometimes if you use stratagems and um you know, and I've got las cannons through them and missiles through them, and it's like, oh, D6 damage. Oh, I've got a five. Well, I now need to roll like under that, and I do no damage. Like the only way to kill them is like assaulting them or peppering them with bolters. Uh, generally, that's the only way because damage one, they can't, they can't um, stop. Yeah, but it's it's craziness how strong those vehicles are. Let alone the overlord buffs to the inventory squads and the fact that they can obviously potentially stand up, um, and as well as some of the stratagems that you can use, uh, they're they're pretty strong. I just think there's less Necron players out there. Yeah, and that's why I they've agree. got less votes. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Like we don't have Necron players. Like, I don't see that many online bef- before Tom. I I mean, yeah, it wasn't that many. Um, hang on, I'm also part of the Necron. Mm, that's because you have a list and bought a codex. So there's only based on a giant forgeron model. <laughs> basically, yeah. So there's only in the in the online group um, for Necrons. There's only nine thousand five hundred and three players. Yeah. Where if you go and look at, I mean, I'm sure there are other Necron groups. No, there's only one Necron group. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, whereas if you look at say, Space Marines are a bit more difficult. Yeah, I mean, to do, but. Uh, there's 40k Primaris Space Marines chapter players in Dominus Crusade, which has 15,000 members on it. Yeah. So it, I think there is a, a definitely a, a a distinct difference with the number of players with Necrons, um, and they've got a, a good codex and they've got they had a, quite a lot of models and mm-hmm. with the late with the last release and yeah mm-hmm. it went quite well. Um, next up with two votes is Orcs. I mean I don't find Orcs a threat anymore. Like they they were really yeah. scared of me before, but. Yeah, I think also just lots of people like seeing orcs. They're yeah. kind of that army that everyone kind of likes. Yeah, and especially when you're playing with someone that, that has spent time converting. Like, I'd love to play Adam's orcs for the mm. fact that... I'd His spend, demon orcs blew I'd spend, me away when I saw them in person. I'd spend most of the time just looking at the models, let alone playing. I'd just almost give him the game just so I could stand there and look at his models more. <laughs> um, but no, I agree. I think it, I think it is definitely a um, player's thing. And, and I don't think... I'd feel threatened if you put your orcs down. Well, fair enough, because they're my orcs. But yeah, um, yeah, I think maybe there's a common thread as well that orc players tend to be the more kind of relaxed type gamers. Yeah. Due to, you know, BS2 and always in the past having lots of naturally random stuff, like vehicles blowing up randomly. Yeah, and, yeah you can't um, really be a... Com- like, yeah. I'm sure there are competitive orcs. Oh, 100%. But, but I think you can't really be that serious of a gamer if, stuff, if you're on a dice roll, you could either teleport to the other side of the board or just die 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of that has gone. Yeah. Um, because of That's damn you simplicity. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think orc in, orcs in general are just a bit more of a fun race, fun army, similar yeah. to Tyranids. I don't. I think lots of people who play Tyranids love the the image of all of the bugs. Yeah. So Starship Troopers. Yeah. So they're trying to win the game using this stratagem with this stratagem with this stratagem. It's probably just less in that group of people. Yeah, and there's an element with Tyranids where I've got thirty of them. So cool, kill six. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Like, oh no, and, I'm not and, in synapse. I really care. No, 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 <laughs> no, I care. <laughs> but but it's 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 it. I think it is that element of just getting on with it and mm. and just um maybe where you don't care as much. Same for orcs. Maybe there's just not that care as much as I'm taking ten off because I've got thirty. Mm. Um, yeah. and there's another 60 behind them Like it, maybe yeah. that's it as well uh, next up we have Armies of Chaos with 4 votes mm. um, yes. the only faction that I don't like playing against um, in uh, Armies of Chaos is the ones that Tim run um, Corn, Corn, the Corn Berserkers I just don't like Corn they're Berserkers brutal, I, don't like, I don't like their rules Yeah, I get it, I get but then yeah. there's, other, there's other factions that are bloodlust like Death Company that are crazy space marines as well that mm, want to go yeah, and kill themselves. Yeah, blood claws are very um, blood hungry. And they don't get the ability to just jump and carry on assaulting. I can just keep going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's the only one. And here's a tragedy, meaning I can do it three times. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it, it's just, it, 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 again, it's it's the flavour of the army, but yeah. that's the only marine faction yeah. I think I don't like playing against. Yeah. That's an interesting subject in itself because it's a rule that is fluffy, yeah. kind of, but is too much the other way it's like we want to put a rule in where they feel like called berserkers yeah rather than just chaos space marines yeah. they need something else so we'll give them this thing but actually on the tabletop it kind of is in a bit of an imbalance yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting um thing I, I find it interesting that they've again got any votes because they sit quite low down in the pecking order generally yeah but i think this is where people maybe have more experience playing that meta style of chaos like the lord on an abeyant who can you know like heal vehicles and give them buffs and yeah you know um, vehicles are very strong in this edition as well and you've got like the mauler fiend the forge fiend uh chaos knights as well a lot of more yeah. chaos players are playing chaos knights and i've seen a couple of lists where there's a couple of knights and a lord abeyant mm. or two lord abeyants and like three knights yeah just healing the knights as they go forward yeah yeah um and I can imagine that being quite frustrating. Yeah, indeed. Uh, next up with six votes is Armies of the Imperium. I think it's very much the same sort of thing. I think there are lists in the Primaris lists where they've got the, everyone stand close to the Lieutenant because everyone his, gets it. His six characters giving Sif different buffs to yeah, this one unit. I get yeah. it. I get that. I, I mean... Yeah. I think can... it's also they're the most common. Yeah, so they're people... still the most common. So people face them all the time. Yeah. Get a bit bored. Indeed. Uh, next up after that with um, nine votes is the Elder. Yeah, I, yeah, I dislike playing. This is my vote. I voted Elder. Um, I just there's something about them that doesn't sit right with me, and I can't even put my finger on it. I wouldn't yeah. say I'm a, I'm a law buff, and I know everything about the Elder. So a lot of the lists that I see make complete sense to me, and they they yeah. look like a craft world. Um, often lots of aspects, which sometimes I feel a little bit like, Meh. I feel like as well. You never really see that many Guardians. There's <laughs> there's very thinly veiled, oh no, it's fluffy yeah. type stuff. And like, oh, I'm bringing every aspect because it's fluffy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but if you think about, certainly in the, the Elder books that I've read, 
like striking scorpion for instance there's one squad of striking scorpions mm. on that whole craft world because yeah. there's one group so why would you have three squad of striking scorpions and i'm 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 sure it must be the same for the other ones like howling banshees mm. you wouldn't have seven squads of howling banshees because there'd be one group so they mm. wouldn't and, and that again it, that's how i would play i yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I it, it's very i'm not a, a meta gamer and i'm yeah. i i, I normally base a lot of my armies off of books mm. that I've read because that's what's made me yeah. want to collect them. But I think it is, I think people going, oh, I know this, this faction favours aspect warriors. Mm. It's like going, great, this faction allows me to play how I want to play, so I'm going to run this faction rather yeah. than... Rather it's than... all moderation, isn't it? Exactly. It's all exactly. moderation. I think for me, the Eldar are frustrating because they get access to things that no other race particularly does. Such as? So, um, so like the jet bikes. Yeah, okay. Uh, and that, they're starting to come here. Like, Custo's probably got similar. Prime Marsh will have yeah. jet bikes. Uh, eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I, that'll be very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and can move ridiculously fast. And flyers that can pivot, move, pivot. Yeah. There's no other race, as far as I'm aware, that can do that. No. So that makes them so much more deadly. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't know. They've always felt like, and their psychic powers and just the psychic level. Now, again, very fluffy. Yeah. But with the other stuff, it feels like, oh, and then they get this other thing. Yeah. It's not like they have faction restrictions like, okay, you're playing Uthwe, so you can bring lots of psychers, but Uthwe don't use flyers. Yeah. I think... Have they started doing that now? So they brought out the... Cha- with the new Space Marine book, they did the chapter book, didn't they? Mm. Where it was like, you can create your own chapter, and here are the other rules for like Imperial Fists or whatever. Mm. But I think it just gave you access to different things rather than restrictions. Yeah, I quite like the the 30k restrictions that they've kind of put in place. Mm. Going, you want to bring this, that's yeah, fine. Some of you... them aren't great. Like, no. I, I would happily campaign that the Night Lords are a little bit too painful. Um, As in bad or good? Like, uh, bad. Yeah. Like, okay. I can only take one heavy support choice. But is that in, like, well, in the scale that you're playing? You're not playing large scale. Yeah, but what I would say is I can take a jet bike squad as heavy support. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Like at, at one tank and one jet bike squad is not unrealistic in a in a war. No, no, but, know, it, so, but, it, so, but, but it's the again, it's the. I think a lot of thirty k and forty k, you're not playing a large scale war because no. three thousand points or two thousand yeah. points or fifteen hundred points is yeah. is a either a small section of a larger mm. combat that's going on, yeah, or it's a small scale skirmish. Yeah. There's so, lots of heresy talk about that of you know people bring primarchs yeah. all the time. And only have a list that is led by a Primarch. And it's like, if you want to have something a bit more diverse in your own list, actually have other characters and yeah. other Don't bring other a Primarch units. every time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you look at, I know we're spoiling, if you look at the what happened on Murder in the Horus Rising mm-hmm. books, the first the first um, attack was with uh, Empress Children. <clears throat> yeah, 50 of them. 50 Empress Children. And th- so that would, to me, feel like small-scale skirmish. They don't yeah. have jet bikes and a, and a tank there. No. So it, at that point, it makes sense. Mm. Now, when they did the spear tip, there was four vehicles, full, four, four full companies yeah. with vehicles. And, yeah. and at that point, it's a yeah. full-scale war. Well, and then when they go to war, Horus and Sanguinius are there. Yeah. <laughs> now, probably not fighting literally shoulder side. to shoulder. But that would be And cool. probably not, you know, not every Marine is going to experience that up close. No, because there's they're going to be fast. Well, let's face the it, there are, planet. there are Marines that have never never been in personal contact with their Primarch. 
Yeah, they've seen them. But yeah, they've seen them wandering had around. A conversation. But yeah, 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 they are this elusive character. Mm. But anyway, we diverse. Uh, we, um, I think I, I do agree with you. I think it's uh, uh, there should be. I, well, sorry, I agree with me. I think there should be um, restrictions on if you're bringing these craft worlds or you're bringing certain things, you can't bring the other things. Like there are in thirty k, forty uh, k at the moment, kind of feels a bring what you want, buy our models. Yeah, restrict. There's no. It's restrictionless. Yeah, and every race has that but i think yeah. the old are just feel like they have access to many different areas yeah. that are strong like heavy weapons teams that always hit type things or... yeah and like well you know transports that are good and psychic powers that are strong and flies that can pivot unlike any other flyer and it's like they've made the old are this elite xenos race that seems to be more powerful than all the others yeah and in some ways that is true. Mm. But there's also barely any of them in the law. Mm. So, cool, you can have all that stuff, but I'm going to bring a 2K force and you bring a 1,000 points. Yeah. Then it feels more normal. Then it feels more you know. like... Now, again, it would be unbalanced the other way. So, I, I'm, it's not maybe like elders, Maybe anything, the elders but... should just cost more. Yeah, maybe. Balance it out. Yeah. Or you have to bring three squads of guardians before you access aspect warriors. Again, there are all those kind of restrictions that they don't want to put on people's lists. No. But that's why Eldar frustrate me. Okay. And the winner with uh, 13 votes mm. is the Tau. Now, my only experience of playing Tau is against Neil, mm. who we've already said is an okay player. Um, my only things that I didn't, I didn't vote in this, my only struggle or least like playing against this is because my playing style. Um, mm, okay, yeah. My playing style is very much like get into combat, run in and, and punch face. Yeah. Now, against a gun line, which Neil does play, yeah. um, that's really difficult because... Yeah. You get shot. Everything can shoot. Everything well. shoots you. <laughs> um, so, and you've got shield drones that also yeah. can shoot you. And yeah, so it, I think it's, for me, these I wouldn't necessarily have voted for them that at least like playing against them, but I think that's because I don't play against them a lot. And yes. the only time I have played against them is against Neil, who's like a super okay player. Yeah. Um, and the issue isn't with his list, it's with yeah. how I play. I, I also think for me, and maybe this is why I voted Eldar over possibly Tau. The other vote would probably have been Necrons, to be honest. Um, but I play very similar style, get into combat, punch hard, um, getting close, at least. Um, I feel like with Eldar, you can never do that. No. Whereas with the Tau, you know exactly where they are. You've just got to work out a way of getting through it. Mm. And I kind of like that challenge. Yeah. So that, that wouldn't be a bad game. I think they'd become my least favourite if... I was deploying and getting killed before I got halfway across the board. Mm. I could just never reach them. I could never reach them. Mm. Whereas if, all right, yeah, I had to sacrifice two squads to get my third one in, mm. at least I'm killing models, at least I'm yeah. doing damage. It's when you just can't seem to touch anything. You just get mullered. I think and the Eldar, I find that much more likely. Any time that you have to tailor a list to the army you're going to play, I think that's the point where I don't like playing them. Yeah, like so, if like with a gun line, I know there's going to be a gun line tower player, so I need to bring something that can crack a gun line. Mm, yeah, I need to bring my own gun line or yeah. artillery or yeah. yeah. And I was, yeah. I would don't get wrong, I was that elder player that castled in the corner with my weapons platforms that just annihilated anyone that came close to me. Like I did elder gun line, and and um, and I miss yeah. it because yeah, I that... don't find gun. I like playing against gun lines because I want to break it. Yeah, but I feel like as the assaulting player, I'm yeah. like I want to break that gun line. And if I weird. fail. 
at least I had fun trying to break it. Like I, I'd be the Urukai trying to attack Helm's Deep. Right. Like that's the kind of You'd style. You'd be the one with the bomb strapped to back that. right yeah, yeah. underneath. I love and... that idea. Yeah. Whereas playing another mobile army, but he's just better than mine. Yeah. Like, I just cannot get close to it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just about to assault. Now I'm going to jump over there 30 inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fun. No, no. Because I'm never getting anything off. Yeah, I get that. Right. I think we've talked about this enough as we're reaching the, the hour and a half mark of recording. So um, we are going to round out there. We're going to take a quick break. You can hear an advert and we're going to come back with a spotlight, um, which is on Trazan the Infinite. Yes. But before that, we need to tell you what I our next poll say, is. Yeah. <laughs> the next poll is, is a counter to this one. So this one was which army faction do you least like playing against? The next one is which army faction do you most like playing against? And again, the reasons in the comments are quite vital to that will have the same kind of grouping. Yep. So armies of the Imperium, if particularly you like playing against Space Wolves, then please tell us why it's Space Wolves. Don't just put armies of the Imperium and go because like, we need a bit more. <laughs> so that we can have a great discussion that lasts an hour and a half. Hopefully not. Hopefully but not. But hopefully long enough that it's, it's good. Great. So uh, we're going to take a break, come back with the next segment, and we'll see you in a moment. Woohoo! Want to stroke Sam's ego so I don't have to as much? Then please leave the Adepsis Terra podcast an iTunes review if that's the platform in which you listen to them on. The reviews do help them to at least attempt to do better and it does make their little faces light up when they see the five stars. So do the right thing and leave them a review. Thank you. Am I done? No. Please. Oh, it's me. Hello. My name's Sam. Uh, no, that's not no, it. That's um, not it. So we are back after that short break and lovely comment from my wife about going to iTunes and leaving us a review. And stroking and your stroking ego. And stroking my ego. Um, so she doesn't have to, which she doesn't do anyway. She's really horrible to me most of the time. Help me, please. Um, but we're back with the spotlight. Uh, and the topic for this spotlight is... Tra I'm going to say this wrong. Trazine. Trazine the Infinite. Uh, Trazine the Infinite is a... Uh, where you go into it in the first bit. So let's just jump straight it's, in because I'm yeah, conscious about time. Um, and Matt... Intro. Go. You, don't, you don't know how to start a segment, do you? I <laughs> can finish a segment pretty well. I know, you do that very well. Matt, intro. So, Trazine the Infinite is a Necron Overlord. Uh, he is the preserver of histories, artifacts, and events, and often liberates what he wants from other alien races or even his fellow Necrons so that the treasures may be preserved in his galleries of solemnance. So, this is another word which I'm going to get wrong. Solemnance. 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 Yeah, basically. Solemnance. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just did that in a super professional way after your awful intro. <laughs> hey, we, everyone knows why we're here, what we're doing, and who's Don't starting. Worry. I messed up the start of the episode. That was not <laughs> any kind of dig at all. Um, Trazine often performs this work through his mind-shackled subjects and surrogate body hosts, although recent times have forced him to be more active uh, in this role in acquiring the additions to his galleries or the historical treasures that can be lost in the flames of war. So Trazine's basically more and more scared about losing his stuff. Or not his stuff. Stuff he wants to be his is probably a more accurate way of putting it. Yeah. He's a he's a hoarder. He's yeah. a shiny hoarder. Hey, so th when I was reading, uh, when we were doing the research for this, it reminded me of, is it The Collector? 
in um, um, the Marvel. Of the Galaxies, yeah, 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 in Marvel, where he goes and just collects different subjects yes, and yeah, things. Yeah. And got loads of things in weird boxes and, and cases. This and... is what it, it yeah. reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very, very similar, very similar. Um, Trazine only we- wages war in order to maintain and expand his collection, often disregarding strategic and tactical considerations in order to do so. I would not like to be in his army. <laughs> just mm. we're gonna go and attack this place it doesn't matter if we lose really badly as long as i get the shiny thing as long as i get it but they're <laughs> necrons so they don't have any semblance of fear or yeah it's very true but yeah don't ruin my image <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um Trazine's underlings and allies though are quick to capitalize on any military objectives while the oblivious phaeron claims his prize so i'm guessing these are like the lord's cryptex yeah People like that who have some semblance of who they are and realise, oh, we could do this nice, juicy secondary objective and Trazine won't even care or realise that we're doing it. Um, Trazine's obsessive nature means that he is loath to explore the galaxy himself. Um, He's basically an agrophobe, just, I must stay here and shine my tanks and make everything (laughs) look nice. Um, His intense desire to gather artefacts, to catalogue them, uh, forces him to leave his tomb world behind. Uh, and as we said, more and more often now, he's starting to do that personally because mm. he just can't trust his subjects. Trazine is known to send Necron agents disguised as himself to do the work for him, which I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah. It's the idea that uh, I learned a lot about Trazine that I didn't, I thought I knew a lot about this character. Yeah, because we've done him before. Uh, we've met, mentioned him before. We've mentioned him before, yeah. 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 We've yeah. done um, Necron Dynasties mm. and obviously mentioned Trazine's here and this is what he's like. But I learned lots of things. And yeah, he, he's got a couple of interesting abilities when we get to his war gear later that I'm doing. We talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he often sends agents disguised as himself to do the work for him, mm. even though he's not actually there. And many of Trazine's foes have become startled to discover that the Necron that they had slain who they believe to be Trazine, is in fact a leech guard uh, or a lesser Necron Lord. On such occasions, the real Trazine works from behind the scenes in order to avoid direct opposition mm. through stealth and trickery. Yep. Um, very Loki-esque as well. Um, to get his hands on the latest prize to add to his collection. So he almost has, this is me, honest, I'm leading the army, when mm. he just sneaks through the back alley and steals whatever he's after while his Lord takes the bullet. Very clever. Indeed. Very clever. But why don't you take us on a bit of a history tour of where it all started? So, we're going to start with the Solomon's Galleries. Uh, Solomon's Galleries are made up of a vast number of vaults buried deep in the tomb world of Solomon's. Um, the galleries are full of technology so rare that an Adeptus Mechanicus tech priest would give the life of several close colleagues to uh, <laughs> just to know that they even exist. That's brilliant. So, I love that because, um, and that's a direct quote, because uh, when we read Mechanicum, Clearly, he wouldn't sacrifice himself. He no. would sacrifice his friends and colleagues. Yeah, everyone else. Everyone else. So the vaults uh, of the galleries are crowded with artifacts uh, of all forms. The fabled Wraithbone Choir. We're going to go into this a bit more, but these are the highlights. Um, the fabled Wraithbone Choir of the elder Altonsar uh, uh, Craftworld. The preserved head of Sebastian Thor. Uh, ossified husk uh, of an enslaver. A giant man clad in a barrack power armour, his face contorted in a permanent scream, to name but a few. Do we know who that is? Um, we'll get on to this later. We'll get on to later. Okay, cool. More uh, of that later. Quick answer, no. Yeah. But conspiracy theories are, are out there. Cool. Like most 
un, uh, unfinished works of 40k. Yeah. It's, it's a Primarch of one of the missing legions. There's one. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, it is a treasure hoard that keeps growing. Very few worlds willingly give up these artifacts to Trazine. In such circumstances, Trazine has little choice but to muster his armies and take by force. If this results in the destruction of a city, a planet, or an entire sector, then so be it. That's on them. <laughs> uh, most impressive of all of Solomon's wonders are the prismatic uh, galleries, recapturing events from the galactic history that Trazine deems worthy of preservation. Preservation, raging on scale from the last High Council of the Dean Craft World, so say 12 people, to the sprawling massacres of Tragus. The prismatic galleries are populated, um, populated by living beings transmuted into hard light holograms by arcane technology. Some, um, some such uh, statues are nothing less than the original enactors of history, frozen in the moment of triumphal defeat and whisked away to the Solomons, uh, to Solomons forever uh, to stand as testament to their deeds. So basically about to lose in the battle and he goes and yep. just takes them all yep. and puts them in his galleries in the frozen in moment yeah. of, of losing which I think is uh, or winning or winning uh, which is tr uh, crazy scary yeah oh, it freaks me out can you imagine that just yeah. you just randomly we're recording a podcast and we're so important that Trazine comes and steals us and we're like <gasps> for like the rest of uh, forever of time <laughs> whether you're conscious or not like I think you'd be almost going to sleep or I don't think so. I think, yeah, you're just kind of frozen being able to look around. Yeah. But then yeah. would like, how would you, how age? does your metabolism work as well? It must be fed somehow. Anyway, oh, we're, 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 we're thinking this is way too much. <laughs> we are. We <laughs> we're are. not going to get taken recording a podcast. We're okay. We're fine. Trazine's not real. Trazine's not real. <laughs> Trazine's not real. <laughs> so other Necron tomb worlds, like you said, are not immune to Trazine's attention. In his mind, other Necrons are no more trustworthy than aliens when it comes to guardianship of artifacts he craves. Thus, Trazine makes little distinction between artifacts held on alien worlds and those possessed by his own kind, resulting in the indiscreet liberations that have rendered him a wanted robot on several tomb worlds. He is forbidden entirely from the catacombs of Mandagora under pain of death, following a long-ago attempt to spirit away the staff of the Destroyer and welcomed, on, uh, and welcomed on Mobius on the strict understanding that his arrival were, will in some way improve the standing of the ruling dynasty. <laughs> so they're, they're out of favour, those guys. Basically, he's, he's uh, not really liked by anyone because he's a massive thief. But he is a massively powerful character. It's like that friend that always nicks your chips. Yeah. So you don't want to eat chips near him because he'll nick your chips. Yeah, but other than that, he's okay. Other than that, he's all right. <laughs> um, and if you don't have a friend that nicks your chips, it's you. Uh, next up, the, these occurrences go some way to explain why Trazine really rarely travels under his own name, uh, but with his true identity concealed in a pseudonym. Whilst he fancies these names to be masterful attempts at deception, all are simply plucked from the ancient Necron myth or fabled literature, such as Nemesaur Kosha or Tathrek the Deathless. Uh, Trazine is is rarely discovered before he's ready to make his move. Therefore, says more uh, says more rather about the insular nature of selective knowledge of other Necron nobles than it does about the own aptitude for subterfuge. Even on an orc-held planet, Tau Sept worlds, or human colonies, where his dealings are conducted strictly through mind shackled players, Trazine goes to great pains to keep his identity a secret. He knows full well that his activities have come to the attention of certain rogue traders and inquisitors. After all. The Imperium's tangled history presents something of as an irresistible law to one such as Trazine. Nonetheless, whilst he remains uh, confident that his abilities to outwit the plots and snares of primitive humans, Trazine's paranoia is sufficient to force a degree of caution. 
Trazine commonly conducts reconnaissance and campaigns through uh, surrogates, substitutes bodies in which he can pour his will. Shroud, uh, sorry, should the body suffer catastrophic damage, Trazine's essence will simply return to its true form or otherwise into another surrogate. Not all of Trazine's substitu substitutes are immediately recognisable as such. Indeed, many surrogates are actually Necron lords or Necron overlords in their own right, who, unbeknownst to him, unbeknownst to them, have had their bodies uh, subverted by Trazine. Should he need to occupy the body so he can do he can do so so easily, as he could any other surrogate, and regular occupants would just be suppressed for the duration of Trazine occupation. The body itself instantly morphs into an exact replica of his primary form. Mm. These days of caution and plotting are fast passing by. The raucous din of war grows louder in every corner of the galaxy, consuming temple cities and worlds, uh, and even entire races, long before Trazine has the opportunity to catalogue and rescue all of its, uh, all that is worth saving. Thus, for the first time in a million years, Trazine is mobilising the full might of Solomon's legions, the better to, uh, better to secure entire planets from the onset of ignorant barbarians, whilst a proper detailed cultural survey is undertaken. Already, a score of the Imperium's worlds are uh, under occupation by Trazine's forces and inhabitants subject, uh, subjugated by his Im um, immovable minions. But the un undying legions of Solomon's show no signs of stopping. So there's two, uh, two points I wish to cover. The first is the Spear of Vulcan uh, and the next is the 13th Black Crusade. Awesome. The 13th Black Crusade... I cut off very early because yeah, he's well, involved. It's huge, isn't it? He's involved quite a lot, which I think yeah. is probably going to be a subject in its own right. Yes. Um, and 13 Black Crusade is huge. It's not even a spotlight. No. It's like a mini series again. Of course. Uh, so the first is the Spear of Vulcan. Trazine has, has tried twice to obtain the Spear of Vulcan for his collection. Uh, those who don't know, the, the Spear of Vulcan is a potent melee weapon and one of the nine artifacts of Vulcan left behind by the Salamander's Legion Primarch. Uh, for his Astarte son to reclaim over the millennia because everyone loves a good treasure hunt. Um, <laughs> after uh, his last known reappearance during the War of the Beast in the 32nd millennium, Trazine has sought to take the spear from its wielder, the Salamander's forge father Vulcanistan, uh, in 878.m41. However, he was defeated in personal combat by Astan. Uh, he made a second attempt during the Toshin Crusade in 943.m41. Just likes the shiny spear. I mean, it's a quite a good artifact or to have, right? he has Vulcan. Or he has Vulcan. Maybe he's one of the Primarchs. He is a perpetual, so he Maybe he's the giant man in Barak armor. There's a second conspiracy theory <laughs> for you. Next up is the 13th Black Crusade. So like I said, we're not going to go into lots of detail with this. It's going to be a very, very high-level um, uh, high level overview. So as abandoned as spoilers, 13th Black Crusade moved to its climax during the Forces of Chaos uh, final assault on the Fortress World of Cadia in 909.m41. Trazine the Infinite played the unlikely role of a hero, becoming mm. an uneasy and self-interested ally of the Imperium of Man's defenders. Dedicated uh, above all to his obsessive collection, collecting. A victory uh, by Chaos condemning the galaxy to potential destruction at the hands of the ruler's powers would severely damage Trazine's ability to find new specimens. To this end, he decided to intervene on the side of the Imperium to try and thwart Chaos's final victory. Now, there's some really cool bits in here like the bell that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, we've got in the collection itself. Yeah, yeah, and just starts ruining the collection. Um, <laughs> That's brilliant, that one, yeah. He's obviously got a couple of players that are in this, like Shadow, uh, Inquisitor Grey, uh, Shadowfax, Greyfax? Greyfax. Greyfax. Shadowfax is the horse from Lord of the Rings. Yes, well done. Um, which I knew, which I'm very surprised I knew, because yeah. I'm awful with names. Yeah. Um, and so there's other things that he does in this, uh, in, in, in his dealings with 13 Black mm. Crusade, which we, we should cover in the future. Yeah. But it is all in a book. If you want to read it. Yeah. Well, and campaign books as well. Yeah, of course. It was all in the campaign books released. Next up is equipment slash war gear. And that's going to be done by Matt. 
Um, so first we have the uh, necrodermis. Trazine's body is built from the self-repairing living metal known as necrodermis, as benefits one of his lofty rank. Trazine's body is of superior craftsmanship and richly adorned, clearly announcing his status and allowing him to repair even the most grievous of wounds in a matter of moments. Basically, he has an involve save and a feel no pain save. Well, it's not called that anymore. But yeah, it's, but yeah, it's his his body. Most this is kind of the most uh, usual item you would see on a Necron Lord Overlord. Um, the other stuff is a bit more special. Mm. Um, well, I say that mind shackle scarabs do appear, um, and I'll do those next. Uh, a mind shackle scarab is a specialized Canatep scarab variant that is one of the Necrons' chief method of controlling sentient alien races. At the bearer's command, a swarm of these tiny robotic scarabs bury into the victim's head and bypass his or her cerebral functions, turning the victim into little more than a puppet under the control of the scarab's master. When re uh, released during combat, they can be used to force a person to attack his own forces uh, for at least a short time before he can wrest back control of his mind. Pretty fun. Pretty freaky. I remember playing against Necrons. Who had Necrons way back when? It was like 5th edition. Um, I remember charging in with my Space Wolves and um, every time it was like a Lord or a, a, an Overlord, they'd go, Mind Shackle Scarabs. And it was like, you had to take an initiative test. Mm. And if you failed it, your guy swung. Start punching yourself. And they always used to try it on like the Sergeant in a challenge. Yeah. I think this must have been 6th edition. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be like, I, back then I had Sergeants with Power Fists like everywhere. So it was like, oh, the Power Fist guy gets the swing punch three of my guys dead like it was so annoying <laughs> mm. um but yeah it's a really freaky kind of uh, upgrade that trazine has these little tiny scarabs that bury into your head that just uh, freak, freaks me out uh next is the empathic obliterator the empathic obliterator is a unique necron staff uh, which contains technology derived from that of the long extinct old ones when an enemy is slain by the staff, a psionic shockwave bursts from uh, his body, potentially killing nearby creatures of a similar mind and purpose. Hence, an entire squad can be wiped out with a single blow of this horrific weapon. Mm. The empathic obliterator suits the personal uh, suits the personal combat style of Trazine, as he disdains physical combat with inferior beings of flesh and blood, and prefers to cleave them apart with as little fuss as possible. Mm. Um, so yeah, again, I think in the in the tabletop version, it hits and it does wounds to models around it. Yeah, like it has like a splash effect almost. And yeah, I think you get saves against it, but it can also potentially kill a couple of models from one wound. Um, yeah. Uh, lastly, we have the surrogate hosts. So Trazine has many enemies, uh, both amongst and outside the Necrons, as we've learned, um, and hence has accordingly devised a system allowing him to outlast any assassination attempt. Uh, he has implanted within his underling lich guards, lords, overlords, and even cryptex an arcane device allowing him to pour his own memories and engrams into their bodies whenever necessary. When he does this, the personality of the one in... Uh, um, the, the personality of the one he transfers his consciousness into becomes dormant, and the necrodermis body adapts to become a copy of Trazine's own body. Yeah. Uh, we, this is what you were talked about in your history. 
Um, whenever his host becomes damaged or his presence is required elsewhere, Tracy merely wheels himself into another body. This has led to the nickname The Infinite. This is where it comes from. Um, also, there was a little bit that I read of how, like, this one, I think it was a Space Marine captain, um, killed Trazine, like, three times in this war. Mm. And then the fourth time, Trazine's like, hi, I'm back again, and then just takes his head off. Yeah. Like, and the captain's like, what? This is impossible. That like, is quite a cool little moment. Anyway, um, next we're going to cover the collection. Um, this is something that we're both doing. We're going to kind of read out the collection. Um, there is a story behind Trazine's entire collection, you know, individually. Each thing is very special and very um, big. Uh, most, however, are lost in time or kept secret by himself or his enemies for various reasons. Uh, we will list off his collections and his prized possessions and explain more of some of them if we can do so. Cool. So I've looked into some of the ones that I'm covering and there's some that there's just not really any information on. Yeah. It's just a listed item and others where there's obviously some long background, even tales of how they came to be in the collection or whether they're even still in the collection. So there's a few escapees, shall we say. So I had the last High Council of Idera Craftworld, um, an exhibit showcasing the massacres on Tragus, uh, a warband of orcs attacking an unknown blue-shelled vertebrae xenos species, the catacombs of Kalf during the Underground War, which I'm guessing would have been the 30k war. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, obviously, Kalf was massively invaded by the word bearers. Yeah. And I imagine there was probably a war going on underneath the surface that was ravaged by um, the orbital bombardments. Mm. So that could be. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then um, an exhibit labelled The Death of Lord Solar Mac uh, Macarius, which is one-tenth composed of Imperial Guardsmen who are 300 years from the wrong time period. Yep. So this is where, in the exhibit, if the people die or he can't get the right ones he'll just go and substitute them in for something yeah, else yeah i need he, humans yeah he just doesn't <laughs> uh, from from the reading about him he doesn't care about historical accuracy there can be different guard uniforms it's more about the pl the lead players in there and yeah. everyone else is just background fodder yeah but yeah just part of the image part of the image yeah yeah that's interesting um so i have a katan shard that trazine has called the source of his power and the crown jewel of his collection now, after doing lots of kind of reading around who this Catan child could be and why it's called the source of his power and how he uses that, I really couldn't find anything. It's yeah. a tiny little thing that they've thrown in. I think the idea is that obviously a Catan shard is a very, very powerful thing um, and Trazing uses that to his best advantage. Makes sense. Um, there is the Wraithbone Choir of Altenzar. Um, a craft world that now no longer exists, I think. I think they've been wiped. Um, the preserved head of Sebastian Thor. Now, Sebastian Thor was a reformer, particularly of the Ecclesiarch. Um, there's, he's probably a whole spotlight segment in himself, so I'm not going too much. He did create the Sisters of Battle, the Order, um, as he, he, he disbanded their old military um, corrupted system for the Ecclesiarch and created the Sisters of Battle. He died at the age of 112 on Terra. And we have no cause of death. Just oh. that he went back to Terra as a very old man and passed away. And now Trazine somehow has a preserved head of him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, whether he went and got that 
uh, after he died or whether he was the cause of death. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's also the ossified husk of an enslaver. Uh, this intrigued me because I had no idea what an enslaver was. So the enslavers are also known as sirens, krell, dominators, or puppeteers in different parts of the galaxy. They're an intelligent race of other dimensional psychic entities native to the realm of the immaterium itself. They are similar in appearance to hybrids of jellyfish and arachnids. Okay. So imagine like the body of a jellyfish, but rather than just the floaty legs, they are more like arachnid legs. Oh, that sounds creepy. Yeah, proper creepy. There's a really cool sketch of them online uh, that is very, very creepy. Um, enslavers will mind control any unprotected psychic being that can in order uh, turn them into living warp portals so that more enslavers can enter the material universe. Sounds fun. Yeah, pretty pretty scary z- random Xenos race. And he has an ossified husk of one of them, dried out. I guess if you're a jellyfish, you probably need to keep wet. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, then we come to uh, the most interesting and least amount of information on, which is a giant man wearing Baroque power armor. What's Baroque? Like Barocca? Uh Old, antique mm. kind of style um, is how I would describe it. That's probably a bad description, but that's what I would say. Um, it's a very interesting one because it's so like a giant man wearing... We have the word power armor. Now, this could be a Thunder Warrior, one of yeah, you know, the, the originals. Uh, originals, and he's got him in stasis before he died. Uh, it could be uh, a Primarch Vulcan. There's lots of people potentially think it is. Uh, lots of other people think Vulcan is in Comora, and that's the whole reason why the Dark Elder haven't been wiped out by Slanesh, because they're constantly torturing him, mm-hmm. um, because he's a perpetual and won't die. Just won't give it up. So he's like a permanent battery life for the Dark Elder. I think that's been kind of proven not now. But anyway, uh, there's lots of theories about where Vulcan is. Um, yeah, it could be another Primarch. could be something completely different. Um, there's there's about 100 different things that this guy could potentially be. Um, there's also a theory wrapped around the Vulcan. This is the one that interested me the most. I don't know if you can tell. Is that the reason uh, Trazine wants the Spear of Vulcan is he believes that that will kind of kickstart him back to the Imperium. Oh. That he's like, there's something wrong with Vulcan. He's not just like, here's my trophy. But he's got him, and he's like, you're in a coma or something like that. And so he's trying to steal the spear of Vulcan to put it back in his hand to wake him up. Oh. Because Trazine is actually quite anti-Chaos. Yeah, because chaos wants to destroy everything, and he wants to keep and everything going. He wants going, to keep everything which, going, which is why he was involved in the Thirteenth Black Crusade. Yes, and yeah. so I think it all kind of weaves in. So it's a very interesting little theory. Interesting when he talks about where about Cadia, he was like, um, he would say it was just a miserable mud planet, no yeah. real interest at all. And I was like, pretty sure Cadia is a planet that's quite interesting. They they've done quite a lot of defenses there. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's yeah, a fortress world basically, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, to to Trazine, who's like this ancient being, it's just another planet. He, he reminds me of um, someone that's more into um, like the art of it. So like collecting collecting people who have like had great loss or victories. Mm. It's not about the fight. It's about how they are. It's like mm. looking at pictures in a book for him rather than it being a 
why would I want to fall? I don't want, I'm not doing this to become powerful. I'm doing yes. this because it interests me. Yeah. So. Yeah, he is a very weird character because of that. Mm. But that's kind of part of his charm, I guess. Uh, I quite like Trazine. I think he's a bit weird and kooky. And I, I kind like of him. Like is, it, is there a model for him? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Mm. He must have something like, if he dies, he reanimates straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a kind of thing where you can take over another lord and you just replace the lord model with Trazine's model. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. He's a very cool character. And the problem I had with doing the spotlight, and this tells you when you've got a good written character, is it made me want to do a Necron army with Trazine at the head of it. Yeah, yeah, do his. And do, again, do like a little 500 point, 1,000 point little Necron force and have this little collection squad kind of going off to steal stuff. Even in even in the model form, he doesn't be, really look like he's fighting. Perf- it'd be perfect for Z- uh, Zone Mortalis. He would be perfect for Zone Mortalis. Yeah. Well, you could do a Zone Mortalis. You can have the codex. Dude. You could, you could do a thousand do points. To me. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. You could do, get rid of your, your space wolves, and, and you can have the codex. <laughs> do a thousand and just do a thousand point necrons. Oh. Anyway, anyway, my ones. So uh, another thing in his collection is Brother Cassiel of the Blood Angels chapter of Space Marines, uh, who has been uh, who was seconded to the Death Watch at the time. Cassiel was a giant, even for an Astartes. He was a big boy. Uh, and his face has been perpetually frozen by Trazine's technology in a moment of fear. Mm. So something big enough to scare a large space marine. Yeah. And space and marines don't get scared. And Trazine went, mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is the Karnak World Spirit Shrine. Um, a KBS War Catechin Regiment. <laughs> I love so how just, he's got whole regiments. Just taking, I've got some more coming. <laughs> yeah. uh, a device containing the entire high fleet that launched the Tyranid invasion of the world of Vuros which Trazine himself has sparked in, an eff- uh, sparked in an effort to add Tyranid exhibits to his collection. Trazine found himself forced to abandon this particular exhibit after his legions were forced to engage in several full-scale battles with Tyranids when, a purport- when portions of the exhibit managed to escape. <laughs> so, I-, I get why. Tyranids running around. Uh, Tyranid, if it's going to be one, Tyranids Don't knock do that vase over. Can you imagine a lictor? I'd be so scared. Oh. Uh, if they were just- I'd never walk through that exhibit. Yeah. Ever. Just, All you hear is like the... From behind. Yeah, it would be, yeah. It really would be, yeah. That'd be horrible. Uh, and last up, Lieutenant Commander Creighton's of the Ultramarines Legion. Uh, his battle brothers and several contemptor pattern dreadnoughts from the time of the Horus Heresy, these Astartes were all slain on Cadia during the 13th Black Crusade at the Battle of the Lysian Fields. Mm. So he didn't leave the fight with nothing when he was oh, in the 13th he, Black Crusade. He's got plenty of things from yeah, the 13th yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Crusade. <laughs> he was like, well, we're just going to take that. Yeah. <laughs> Mine. Uh, so next we have the uh, Voisteran Firstborn Regiments taken from the Fall of Cadia. Regiments. Yeah. <laughs> just we, don't, like, we don't know how many. Do you reckon it's like terracotta, terracotta Warriors type things? They're all yeah. just lined up, standing there, yeah, 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 frozen in time. Yeah, you must just have a very big area Bruce. where you just got all these regiments lined up. It's like the... Um, you know, the display of all the Imperial Guard uh, marching. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer World. Yeah, that's it. He's, He's just, just frozen. got that. He's just got a setup of his own. He's gone, I'm going to build that, but big. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just have all these different regiments in marching formation or something. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Tanith Regiments. Um, he also has some salamanders thought lost during the Clovian Disaster, which annoyingly I couldn't find any information on what the Clovian Disaster was. No. Um, he has sounds a- good, though. Yeah. He has a Custodes. Just, I need one. Got got, got to get them all. At least, I think with this one, wasn't it at least one Custodes? It's, yeah. It just said a Custodes. Oh, okay. Um, Then the the last Lord Castellan of Cadia, Uzerka E. Creed. Creed. 
captured during the final moments before the fall of the fortress world to chaos during the 13th Black Crusade. So he, um, I believe in the campaign book, it's something like Abaddon's about to like literally cut him in half and Trazine just throws a Tesseract vault at him yeah. and captures him. Like Ghostbusters. Uh, like, yeah, basically. And then just goes, mine, and then goes through a teleporter. Yeah. And um, Abaddon's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very funny moment. Um, and then in Inquisitor Greyfax and her retinue, freed by Trazine before the fall of Cadia. So, obviously, she plays a big part in um, selling Yeah, a models. lot of the stuff that you... I mean, the 13 Black Crusade, she yes, plays a big indeed. part in that. Uh, uh, so, her... she's freed by Trazine. She's got Mind Shackle Scarabs. Um, mm. So she doesn't attack Trazine when she's released mm. um, and brings her to Cadia, mm. which is very interesting. Why do that? Yep. Again, kind of weird pseudo hero moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good peace offering. Here, have a. Yeah, Inquisitor. kind of. Here's an Inquisitor and a retinue that you thought lost. Yeah. I had them. Yeah. Not like, oh, I saved them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're not going to say anything because they've all got mind shackle scarabs. Yeah. Um, they are later they removed by. Cool, I believe. Right. The Belisarius Cool. Yeah. Um, at great pain yeah. um, to the Inquisitor, but they are removed. Uh, and then she's out and about after that. She's like, I'll give you this one, but I'm going to take Creed and some Guard Regiments and some Ultramarines. <laughs> Seems like a fair deal. Yeah, fairly fair. Um, and then, and then... The last group of the stuff. The last group of stuff. So you've got the Bell of St. Gashal. Uh, Gashalal. Gashalal? Gashalal? Gashthal. Which I always imagine is like the Liberty Bell. Like the yeah, giant, it feels like the that, giant it? bell. Yeah, it does feel like that. Um, and um, I mean, I've never seen the Liberty Bell, but all, all in the only reference I have is um, the Nicolas Cage movie. National Treasure. National Treasure, yeah. where he goes <laughs> to the Liberty Bell. Do you know what? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll go and see the actual Liberty Bell and I can you make never a, know. I can draw a great comparison between the two. Um, so... This one is in the 13th Black Crusade. This is what sparks his involvement into it because mm. the bell starts ringing. Starts ringing, and on the first, uh, in the, on the first um, ring or knell, is that what we call them? Knell is a bell. Uh. Anyway, the first ring, it like ruptures all the cooling pipes inside his um, the immediate vicinity of it. On the second one, um, it, it takes out like loads of exhibits, and they just mm. implode and, and and start falling apart. It takes something like. 15 versions of him to get to the bell. Yeah, it's just destroying him and he's getting to another one, destroying yeah. him, getting closer. It, destroying it takes him. out, it take, tanks loads of legions of his um, warriors as well. And he basically, at that point, just opens a web portal and just throws it in yeah. and hopes that the Eldar will deal with it. Yeah, just throws it at something. Yeah. <laughs> but it is that kind of, it's a really cool, I imagine the book, when they talk about it, it's probably really cool the way they describe it. Yeah, it's, I think it's in the campaign book. I don't think yeah. it's novel. Really? Okay. I think it's generally the lore section in the uh, Fall of Cadia. I have to get that book. It does look cool. It's got a band standing on it. Uh, he's like glowing red, I think, and the book's white. Yeah. I think it's called The Fall of Cadia. Hang on, let's see if they still sell it. I bet they don't. Yeah, Master of the Forge covered it um, in one of their episodes. Uh, Fall Acadia isn't on there. I'll have to listen to their, that episode. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that episode. Um, next up is the uh, a 12-foot tall croc, which I had to Google what a croc was. It's yeah. actually an orc. Uh, in power armor, that is more advanced than the Astartes power armor. So that's quite scary, mm. um, that this really tall orc in power armor. Uh, we yeah. don't know who it is. I'm guessing it's probably a long-dead advancement of orcs maybe even an orc from Ulanor maybe even an orc from Ulanor who knows um, a damaged but still functioning webway portal 
Nice. Because you never know when you need one. Uh, a troop of Harlequins. That would be scary. That's a very hard one to grab. Yep, very hard indeed. Uh, and then finally, a perfect <laughs> clone of Fulgrim, Primark Fulgrim, which he received in exchange for providing 18,000 samples of pure Empress Children gene seed in a deal with Fabio Spile. Yeah, this is mad, this is. I mean, a perfect clone. <laughs> yeah, well, a perfect clone. It's not a living clone. It doesn't. It's not operating. I mean, I'd like to have um, a perfect clone of Fulgrim. Yeah, well, yeah, for some reason he wants one. Um... The thing that throws me out is he had 18,000 samples of pure Emperor's Children gene seed. For funsies. Right? Well, except Emperor's Children gene seed, this is the whole thing with the Emperor's Children. When they were first created, they had a massive problem with their gene seed. Like, Astartes were dying, it was corrupted. Right. So people talk about it in the same way that, like, you know, without being too real, things like cancer and, yeah. you know, diseases like just they were riddled and and were useless so they destroyed them all and then they the emperor's children were waiting on the moon uh of terror on the lunar moon yep um and uh, a shuttle was bringing them new gene seeds so they could build their legion this never makes it to the moon and explodes yeah and they lose all of the gene seed they now don't have any more gene seed so they have to take time slowly splicing it out of Dead Emperor's Children, and dead, which yeah. is why Fulgrim and the Emperor's Children spend so much of the heresy at the beginning in the in the history before the books start, basically, um, were going alongside Horus and the Lunar Wolves. Yeah, which because, is covered in because they don't have enough. Uh, they don't have enough to be a whole expedition fleet. Yeah, and Trazian's got eighteen thousand samples of this. Did he blow up the shuttle and steal it? Yeah. Because no one knows. Possibly. Possibly. I just thought that was very interesting. I mean, any time that someone has 18,000 samples of pure gene seed Mm. from a a, a chapter is insane because they guard that gene seed particularly closely. It's it's a legion as well. Yeah. So it's not like this is a chapter from the 41st millennium. Yeah. This is a legion. This has got to be stolen during the heresy, if not before. Why didn't he create his own space marines I don't know he's not bothered on power I suppose no but favourite spile is yeah well I mean I imagine this was so that he could almost rebuild the legion so that they could actually do stuff as chaos marines mm. um, has this they, ever been explored why he got the 18,000 um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure to be honest yeah I mean he gave up a perfect clone of his Primarch so he must have decided uh, by Fabius must have decided that that wasn't going to work. Because yeah. why would you give away a perfect clone of your Primarch? I suppose Fulgrim's still around. He's Fulgrim demon was prince. a snake, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's a giant snake kind of thing yeah. now as a demon prince. So I guess he probably wouldn't want a living clone. So maybe he was like, well, Fulgrim might get a bit angry at me. But if I go, hey, I've got 18,000 gene seed, you might yeah. be like, well done, my son. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And obviously the technology's there. This might be one of them. We're going to put this in here for later, just in case we need to suddenly build an, a bigger legion somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is. It, it does feel like one of them things of, well, Bellilus Cool has now started making Primarchs. Um, mm-hmm. sorry, making um, Primaris not, Marines. not making Primarchs. Making pri- uh, Primaris Marines. Yeah. And then somehow Fabius Bow steals that technology now and he's got 18,000 gene seeds worth of... Yeah, and chapters are buying them from him so yeah. that he can... But it's Emperor's Children gene seed. So, like, other chapters wouldn't want it. No, but they could bring back pure... Yeah, but only Emperor's Children. Emperor's Children. Yeah. 
I don't know if they'd do that. Uh. After all this time, they suddenly go, Fulgrim and the Emperor's children are now the face of chaos. It's not Abaddon anymore. Yeah, Abaddon um, is weak I just now. imagine that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, it's an interesting point. It kind of feels like one of them storylines where they're going, we'll put it in and then we'll save it for later. Yeah, or never use again. Or never use again. It's just a, a like, fun fact. Like like loads of the storylines in, yeah. in Games Workshop. It's a, well, it's there. Yeah, it's there. We can do something if we really want if to. If you really need to pick it up again, then why not? Yeah. Okay, Um. then... That's it. I'm going to round out now. That's, <laughs> That's the end. It. Yeah. We'll take a break. I, I, think, we've no, we'll about <laughs> I think we've talked enough about Trazine. I think he's a really cool character and it's made me want to look more into the 13th Black Crusade um, with his involvement because mm. I was reading through the background on him and in that and it was really yeah. cool. I think I'll... having a character that's kind of almost not involved in it yeah. It's like you, you almost take it through his viewpoint, yeah. which would be really interesting because if you take it from an Imperial standpoint, yeah. Chaos Bad must defend. Chaos are like we're going to kill you, screw you. Yeah. You know, Trazine's like, well, I don't want Chaos to destroy everything, so I'll help, but I also am going to try and take this, this, and this, and him, and that. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that. I like that kind of, like, thie- thievery point yeah. of of being like, well... It reminds me very much of, like, a low-key type character. Yeah. Like, I'm on your side until it doesn't... Until it's warrant- not beneficial yeah. for me anymore. Yeah. And the whole, like... um like, although he's using technology to like download himself into other bodies, yeah. it just makes me think of his shape-shifting, yeah. you know, how he can change into different characters and stuff. I quite like... Yeah, he seems quite menacing and chaotic and frustrating for his enemies. Yeah. So in true um, segment fashion, if you had to pick an exhibit to be part of... To be part of? To be part of. No, that's silly. No, no. You have to pick an... Ex- <laughs> I don't want to be in any of them. What <laughs> okay, are you talking fine. about? If you had to pick... An exhibit that you would own and have on your own, like in your 40k universe as a Necron Overlord, which exhibit would you? What well, I'd want? be most proud of. Be most proud of. Uh, oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say a still functioning Webway portal because I can use that. Yeah, yeah, you can use that. I mean, it is damaged, so I'd be a little bit worried. worried. <laughs> Where going I was aiming it? for terror. I'm now on Mars. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not that bad. That's, that's not that much of an overshoot. Yeah, um, but yeah, I would be slightly worried about that. But I think that one's the most useful. I would like to own the. I'd like to own the device containing the entire high fleet before it gets screwed okay. up. Okay, well, so you can throw it at your enemies. So I can just <laughs> just teleport it onto someone's planet and go. Whoop. Deal with that. <laughs> Deal with that one. Um, but I think that'd be quite fun. It would okay. be almost like a, a nuclear option. Um, other, other <laughs> it than, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> or you go, okay, I'm being attacked. Let's just turn it off. Let's yeah, let them out. Yeah, let them out. Let them out. Um, so that one's quite cool. Um, so probably that one. Most likely that one. Um, yeah, definitely that one. Cool. Uh, so that's uh, that's the end of that segment. Um, and we are going to take a quick break. Going to put another advert in now. Um, and we can come back with the final segment, uh, which is 30K Book Club, which is being run by Matt on the book Horace Rising. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous about how long this, <laughs> how many notes there are still. No, it's fine. It's fine. This product is rated H for hobby. Smashing through your computer screens and mobile devices comes a monthly hobby feast like you've never, ever 
ever probably seen. Hosted on Google Hangouts, 8 till 11 p.m. Sunday nights, UK time. Three hours of hobby feasts and hard-fought victories. Are you strong enough to survive? Are you brave enough to achieve? Are you wise enough to attend? I guess we'll have to wait and see at the next Hobby Hangout. our social media pages for specific hangout details. Sam and Matt sold separately. We do not take responsibility for any lack of completion of hobby or level attendance. Welcome back. This is our final segment. Um, the 30k book club. Our I very first one. Was really, when we said we were going to start doing 30k books, I thought it would be a great opportunity to just to force myself to read books that I haven't read yet. And now you've made me go back and read the first look, book. However, look, look. it is a brilliant place for people to start. It is a brilliant place for people to start. It is the first ever heresy book. And this is our first ever heresy book club. It just made too much sense. And there was things in this book that happened that I completely forgot happened. Yeah, do you know what? I could pretty much recall the book, remembered pretty much all of it. Um, there were a couple of themes as I was thinking about picking out that I thought were bigger in this book than I remembered. Right. So like the kind of, yeah, 6319, the mega all that stuff I, I remembered. mm um but like the the little word plays and different comments that are said throughout the book that sow seeds of the heresy that's coming mm-hmm. were things that I knew were there but didn't realize how much they are throughout the book um so the way we're going to cover this this is still kind of a work in progress but our newer way of doing things is we're not doing a blow by blow of the book um, we we look at it in chunks, certainly, yep. kind of a start, middle, middle, end, based around different things. Um, and we talk about the characters, we talk about the main occurrences and themes, and then we kind of sum up our favourite couple of moments and uh, talk about the book as a whole. Um, so there will be lots of things we won't talk about, lots of moments that we won't talk about, a few that we will highlight. Um, we will obviously be talking about, as I said, the the main themes of the book. Um, some of the major happenings within the book. So we will spoil a book. Um, and that's probably no surprise at a book club segment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is lots to read around and lots of things that uh, will get missed. But I would say mostly on purpose because we don't want this to be four hours long <laughs> um, and and a bit boring. So uh, on that note, we're going to look at the characters in this book. Now the list is huge. There are lots and lots of characters. Yep. We are looking mainly, we're going to look at the Primark Horus, because it's kind of his book. Yeah, kind of. Um, the Mornaval, kind of central to the Lunar Wolves. Yep. And a few of the rem- remembrances, um, the kind of key ones that also feature in this book. Uh, they're our main ones. Now, others will pop up. Sultarvitz will pop up. Lucius will pop up. Erebus, annoyingly, will pop up. Um, we're not going to cover them in mass detail because they actually play small roles in this book overall. Um, but we're going to start by just talking about the character of Primarch Horus, the War Master himself. So he reminded me of Santa Claus. 
Okay, interesting. We're in the first, so obviously we know he turns a, a bit away from the Santa Claus vibe, <laughs> but in this first kind of open thing, he's very, mm. I could say, jolly. I forgot how much I liked Horace. Yeah, he's actually. not a div yet. No, well, and I felt like the the fall felt more tragic this time round. Yeah, because I knew I know exactly what's coming. Yeah, rather than I know roughly what's coming. Mm. And yeah, I'd just forgotten how much of a nice kind of character was, he yeah. came across. And you look at him when, like in other books, where he goes and. Uh, meets Sanguinius and he, mm. he experiences um, he sees the first red thirst also he sees a red thirst a guy fought a red thirst um, and uh, and actually how nice he was and at that point I don't think he had fallen at that point I think it was normal him I have no idea anyway timelines but he, he genuinely comes across as quite a nice calm guy I mean super manipulative like he knows how mm. to play people but yeah. then that's a primark that's not yeah well that's the thing so I, you know outward he comes across very jovial friendly confident strong um and actually i think he has a lot of doubt and pressure yeah and you kind of see that throughout the book um and he's a massive politician yeah and just plays everyone off each other the way he uses the mournival in the book is very um good example of that you yeah. know like you're gonna shout at them very badly and i'm gonna pretend i'm the nice guy even though actually i agree with you yeah um for example which we will talk about later um yeah I mean, I put a politician as all question mark primarks are. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how good Angron is at being a politician. The same for um, um, Russ would be similar. I think he'd be a bit too um, blunt. I think it'd just be too blunt. Like this is what has to happen. Deal with it. Yeah. Like um, yeah, but I mean, especially people like the Lion, Gulliman, Dawn, maybe maybe less Dawn. Uh, Sanguinius can definitely do it. Um, I find it really interesting Sanguinius's silence in this book. He yeah. chooses not to speak yeah. because he doesn't want to uh, put another Primarch's viewpoint on a situation he's going to follow his Warmaster. Yeah. And they'll talk openly and honestly to each other in private. But, really but it's, like it's, it's the whole, it's the whole, if you've got a, it's like in any kind of thing, if you've got a problem with what your manager's saying, yeah. you shouldn't call your manager out in front no, of well, the, and the same, other people. The same the other way around as well. Yeah, you know, if if you've got a decent manager, and someone's done something and it's incorrect, you don't berate them in front of everyone first. You talk to them individually and go, "Look, that wasn't right," but you backed me into a corner, so now we have to go this route. Yeah, you know, not in all circumstances, but in many, that's a good sign. Of yeah, a good sign because you shouldn't, you don't crap on your employees in front of people. Like no, I've people, got a problem with someone that works for me. I, I'll yeah. pull them to one side and tell them it's yes. It's a sign of a good leadership. Yeah. yeah. Just smart leadership, to be honest. But yes, I, I think that's, for me, Pri, uh, Primark Chorus, the Warmaster, came across as very outwardly one person yeah, and very inwardly a more complex character. And that meant that I attached to him much more than I remembered. Yeah. Um, then we get the Mournival. So we have Ezekiel Abaddon, who comes across as very aggressive, um, in parts of this book, uh, his emotions shift quite quickly. It seems, yeah, he, you know, always seems a bit frustrated and on edge. Um, but he also hides that kind of behind a joke. Like yeah. He makes a few jokes, and you kind of like, eh, you're joking, but you're gonna similar to how Horace does, but just mm. on a less um, elegant scale. Um, but I quite liked him as well in this book. 
yeah. he's not in it that much. No. To be fair, a lot. You know, even though these are kind of a more of our central characters, there aren't that many really. It's Loken, one or two of the humans, and Horus. Yeah. It's Loken and who he interacts with, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially the start of the book, and then because yeah. it takes quite a while till Horus even really appears. Appears and says anything. Anything at all. <laughs> other than one sentence. Yeah, like 200 um, pages in, and then yeah, Horace yeah. is suddenly there. Yeah, and then towards the end of the book, it's all about Horace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, thought that, I thought that was a really good way of writing it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we get little Horace Axeman. Um, he's a... <laughs> There's a few characters in this which kind of feel pointless. Like not pointless, they all have stuff to do, but it's like yeah. there's a couple other Marines which are kind of like, why bother putting this in the book? So like yeah. the... Um, uh, little her- no, um, the old captain, uh, Eaton Cruz. Oh my god, your, your memory's insane. Um, yeah, so the the half heard, the half heard because he's because he no one listens to him because yeah. he's old and he hasn't got the opinion. Like, there was a whole section of the half heard bit. Oh, when they're talking about something and like, mark my words, we'll be gone in a day, and it's like so, six months later. But then, <laughs> but then, why bother including that in the yeah. book? Well, like, because it's building his character for later on. Yeah, I guess like, so. That, that this book is a massive build to later on. This is the this is when they like when they brought out um, uh, what Marvel movie? Which basically the whole the whole movie. Oh, the Star Wars movies, perfect example. The new ones, a lot of them, um, certainly like the Last Jedi. Nothing really happened, really. Yeah, like it was just all building for this next movie. Yeah, like there's no real... second movies really struggle with that. Yeah. Really, it's like Lord like... of the Rings, the Two Towers. What really happens in that one? <laughs> Quite a lot in that. Not really a lot. Lord of the Rings is brilliant. <laughs> don't don't even go there, my friend. But yeah, so there's a lot of characters in this book which I kind of feel like brilliant. He said something. Like he doesn't yeah. it's like let's give him a throwaway line just to just to prove he was yeah, there. Yeah, just put him in. I, they're setting up people who will become yeah. major characters. Yeah. Uh, again, like Abaddon, Axamond, even Torgarden, which I'd say he has more to do in this book, um, and more th- things to say. None of them are like big players in this book. No. But they are big characters later on and yeah. they should be included because they involve Loken quite heavily. Yeah. Um so yeah, so we have Axamond, he's a kind of melancholic character. He's known as this master strategist and a bit of a tenacious fighter, but he just seems a bit moody all the time. Just mm. very aggressive and blunt and uh, everything's a bit uh, yeah. <laughs> with Axamond. Um he seems to soften towards Loken as a character and kind of bec- they become brothers throughout the book. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know, just a bit standoffish, yeah. I would say, as a character. Uh, Tarek Torgadon, um, probably my favourite in the book as a character, as a space marine. Yeah. Uh, he's a joker, he's a jovial type of character. There's something solid about him, I would mm. say. He seems very sturdy. Um, I think he's just quite great. There's one part which is in my favourite bits that I think is just one of my favourite bits in any Black Library book ever. Yeah. <laughs> which involves him. Um, yeah, and then we get to Garvey or Loken. He's kind of our last main space marine and the main space marine. Did he not come across super angsty? Like, you, you could see him being an emo a lot of the way through this book. <laughs> it's just, a bit moody. Yeah. I think that's just a space marine. Like, teenage, teenager kind of moody. Like, it was a yeah. lot of it. Like, the way that he approached the lodges... Like, yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> I think he's very straight up and down, and they talk about that a lot in this yeah. book. Straight laced, is that what it's called? The, the yeah, term? they yeah. kind of call him straight laced. And I think he's supposed to be a perfect example of a space marine Before. incredibly loyal, a warrior, 
not that much humour. Little bit between his like close brothers, but he's got a job to do. Yeah. It's my it's my duty. Yeah. He says that quite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has some ambition to be a good warrior, a good leader, like he's the yeah. captain of the tenth company when we meet him. Um but he has this kind of intrigue towards humans that other Marines don't seem to have. Yeah. Um and he's he's yeah, he's very honest and he's very straight laced. Yeah. And I think he's a perfect coil for some of these other characters. Yeah. Like Togadon who's just jokey, Abaddon mm. who's super aggressive and just wants war quite a lot of the time. And and actually I guess if you look at his character further down the line, it is that straight laced nature that goes that makes him turn against his own legion mm. and become yes. traitor. Yeah, yeah, because he has a very good sense of what's right and wrong. Yeah. And he as he learns new things as he does throughout this book mm. about the warp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is very straight laced in the way he wants to understand it, and he's very considerate, and he will be very honest and straight down the line. And that's why I think um, he ends up even in the Mournival. Yeah, because actually, I mean, Dawn kind of pushed for him to be part of it. Yeah, um, as well as Horace was like in, happy to have him and yeah. the other guys because they knew that Horace would need that person who went. What about this or what about that? I think there's a part in the book where he goes, I'm not interested in sharing what I think, like to Horace. He's like, what, Why have you chosen this route? Yeah. And Horace is like, Ah, thinking man. Because everyone else is like, War, war, we want war. Yeah. And he's like, Well, this guy's actually asked a question. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's a very human space marine, but also yeah. a very good example of a space marine. Which is probably. Which is uh, what you need in an open need, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need a, an example of this is what a space marine should look like. Yeah. And there's these a few that make maybe more jokes or a bit more mean or, you know. Like you can but, see like Abaddon in this. Mm. It's just super horrible. Yeah. And everyone's scared of him. And everyone's scared of him, which makes him perfect for the 13 Crusades that are coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's many, many years to go. Many, many anyway, years. Anyway, let's move on to the humans. So we have Mercedes Oliton. Yep. Uh, she's a remembrancer. Um, she is Terran. She's very inquisitive. She's quite timid throughout the book, to be honest. Yeah. I kind of put to start with, but I think I made that note early and then realized that actually she's pretty timid all the way through. Yeah. She gains more confidence with Loken because they spend lots of time talking backwards and forwards. Um, but she comes across mainly as this loyal friend to her other friends who are the other characters in this book. Yeah. Like she tries to help Carcassi. She's friends with Keela. Yeah. Um, all this kind of stuff. Um, but there's not much else I can really say about her. She, she didn't, I mean, again, she, 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 she had a purpose in the book. Yeah, she has more later on as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of now, at this current point, I mean, if you didn't have her in, it wouldn't particularly change the book. No, I mean, it shows the interaction of Loken with humans. Which gets better. Because and, and and, obviously Cinderman is his um, mentor. mentor, so yes. he has a really good relationship with him. But that's because he's been told that he is his mentor. And he has to And go. he has to. And he's whereas, a good space marine, so he will go. Exactly. Whereas this, um, Oliton is, is the first through choice that he's got mm. you're my remembrancer mm. and, and actually made that choice going forward. Yeah, and willing to open up and talk openly. Yeah. Towards, especially to, at the end of the book. And and, and especially because she's not a space marine. She's no. not. And, and and I think that was very, very big mm. in this book, actually. Space Marines don't look at humans and think, oh, you're just the same as us. Mm. Like, they have that, yeah. I'm a Space Marine, you're a human, we have our jobs to do, yeah. we don't need to be together. Yeah, and it, there's there's that whole idea of that the Imperium that they are creating is very messy. Yeah. That actually involves bureaucrats and yeah. politicians as well as warriors and gene-hanced Space Marines and yeah. Primarchs and 
an emperor that's going somewhere else and all sorts of craziness that it's not just a straight up and down we have everything sorted out if you i can imagine if you wrote a fan fiction um what's the term like a porn book okay you'd have these two characters what loken and loken and ollison okay because space marines do have penises we figured that one out okay that's in this book i can't remember that they we because before I was yes. like, I was like, well, do they just not have anything? They they have nubs, like the angels <laughs> from um, what's that? Dogma. Dogma, yeah. where they just have nubs and and like action dolls, like hen dolls. But yeah. no, they do have toilets. Anyway, must be a must be a mean poo. <laughs> Ignatius Carcassi <laughs> talking about poo. Um, I no. hated him the entire time. I still hate him. I can't. Towards the end, I kind of liked him. No, I hate um, him. To be honest, him so much. Um, so he's this drunkard poet. Bit of a perv. Yep. There's a couple of moments where he's a bit pervy. Um, always seems a bit frustrated by everything, as if everything's a tiring oh, task. Everything is... It's, yeah. it's Classic it's poet, artist. I think they're trying to get off this. Everything is against me. Like, I'm Madonna, and yeah. every, everyone else is bad. And I'm allowed to do whatever them. I want. Yeah. I'm important. And then he gets the crap kicked out of him, which I was completely supportive of. <laughs> like, I was cheering well, for those guys. Even though he's talking some truth. Actually, yes, and um, we may we may talk about that later. We'll see. Um, yeah, he's kind of almost well known, but living off past glories, is this fat drunk guy who's lost his kind of energy and is just doing the task that he's supposed to do. Um, he kind of finds his muse later on. I'd say a little bit more, mm. but he is just a bit of a he's a bit of an ass to be honest. Like he he just is that kind of character, isn't he? Um, and he's shown kind of mercy where maybe he shouldn't have been. Yeah. Which is interesting. And again, due to Mercedes Oliton, really, and her connection with Loken yeah. in the end. Uh, anyway, moving on, we've got Euphrates Keeler. She becomes a very, very important character later on. Um, not particularly in this book, but the seeds of why are in this book. Yeah. Uh, so she's uh, uh, basically a grim dark photographer. I can't remember. She had imagist or imagist, whatever. Yeah, she has yeah. a certain uh, phrase. Um, and it's... she's very bold. But she seems to get the sense of things of other people's viewpoints. Like she can almost kind of understand the way the Space Marines think and do things more than some of the other remembrances who feel like they're so far removed from humanity. Yeah. Um, she seems very good. She seems to get kind of quite a lot of praise throughout the book of having very good pictures. Um, and yeah, she's the one that captures. So, if you imagine like classic war photography, mm. where it's all like black and white, like some of the Vietnam War mm. f- uh, photos, where it's black and white, and you see like a space marine leaning against the war type, looking down at his bolter or something in black and white kind of imagery, and yeah. that's the type of photos that she does. Very candid. Like yeah. she did one. Um, she talked about one where she took a photo of all of the stormbirds on the rails, mm. um, and Cinderman was like, uh, "That's going to be, that's going to no, be." That's the Loken one. The one where she... Oh, the Oath of Moment one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So where she's taking... Chicks photo of the Oath of Moment and she's like, that captures everything about Space Marines and human, yeah, in the fact that they have these traditions and that will mm. be the photo that you're remembered for or something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, it, it, she's that classic... She's very talented, quite wartime, brash and bold. Yeah, wartime photographer uh, style. And gets very shaken up later in the book and turns to faith in yep. this book. Yep. Um, she, she becomes part of the Letitio Divinitatis. Yeah. And I said it right. I'm amazed. 
Um, and that's kind of the, the sparks of what is to come again throughout this series. Yeah. There's lots of, again, this book is a massive setup. Yeah. But I enjoyed it for that fact, actually. But I think when you, obviously, when this was released before every other book in the Horus Heresy, I think a lot of this, you weren't aware of it being no, set no, up. No, none of it. Like, so you, the fact that she's in it, the fact that the half herd's in it, and what he goes on to later do in the mm. worst book in the world. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's, it's very important that if you're new to the Heresy, that you wouldn't get. That all yeah. these that sort of like nods. Well, I mean, Primarchs were very, very basically detailed. Yeah. You know, um, Space Marines were laid out, but nowhere near what we have now. I th- like, yeah, it would have been think... hard to, to go back and really understand yeah. how much lore we had yeah. on all of this stuff before this book came out. I think Space Marines are painted with this at first, kind of like, unless you're a named character, <laughs> unless you're a named character. You're just a faceless, nameless person mm. in, in Space Marine history. Yeah. Like you're just there to basically shoot and die. Yeah. Unless you're <laughs> unless you're like the Loken or the Abaddon who can have a jovial time and joke around. It just doesn't appear that like any other Space Marine has a joke with another Space Marine mm. because they're not obviously we're not focused on. Yeah. But it, it's the same for like, I guess, movies and yeah. stuff. I think they did well in that book, in this book, to to avoid that though. Yeah. Like you have like Nero Vipus and uh who's the kind of under sergeant of Loken. Yeah. And you have Jabal who's a bit wound up because he doesn't get chosen yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I guess you just don't have and maybe that's a, a thing for Space Marines. You don't have that kind of background Space Marines sitting in a cantina joking no. around type stuff. But maybe that's more Space Marines than anything else. Yeah, they kind of keep themselves to themselves if they're not training or at war. Or sleeping. Or Sorry, not sleeping. They don't sleep. Meditate. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, then lastly, before we get on to the book itself, uh, Kirill Sinderman is the iterator, pretty much the head. He's the head iterator, I believe. Um, a well-known philosopher, even to Horace which is pretty impressive. Uh, he's well-esteemed and looked up to, a great speaker, yeah. um, and seems to operate at a higher level of communication with others that other people kind of can't manage. The way he talks, the, the cadences he uses, the way he controls his voice is very masterful. Uh, and he's a teacher and he's uh, Loken's mentor. Yeah. Um, and he takes on that special tutoring that higher-ranked iterators do. Uh, he is also shook by... Um, a encounter with what we would now call demonic possession. Yeah. Um, back then they had no idea what it was. And he starts kind of diving into old texts towards the end of the book and seems just much more unraveled from yeah. the experience. He gets slightly, um, uh, I think the, like when he goes and sees him and he's, he's literally just pouring through old texts mm. and then he gives the book to Logan. Chronicles of Ursh. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of shows there's one story randomly in there that Loken's like, "Whoa, did he give me this?" Because it's about possession and yeah. demonic entities and stuff. Yeah, and using the words of sorcery and demon, which you know they've been conditioned to wipe out. Yeah, as folly. Um. So yeah, very interesting. She he doesn't go anywhere near as far as Keeler does in reaction to that. Like Keeler's like become a faithful person and started believing in the Emperor as a god. And you yeah, know, Cinderman's still trying to find answers. But you can tell that he's maybe going down a path where he may find faith rather than his uh, upbringing and taught science. Yeah. Um, And you can kind of see as the reaction to kind of chaos and its impact leads those, especially humans, to faith. Because they need something to combat against that kind of idea. You know, science only goes so far when you get something that you can't explain by science. 
Yeah. Or at least on the surface, doesn't look like you can explain by science. Uh, anyway, we should go into the main occurrences of the book. They're all kind of the main characters that we'll be brushing up against, I imagine. Um, there's lots about in this book about how things are, that we're on this crusade and we're on this mission. And we get an explanation of the Emperor's vision of the crusade. It's a reconnection of humanity so that they can bend the knee to him and to Terra and uh, all get on the same page and then everything can get better. I, don't, I, I, I disagree with that. I don't okay. think it's bend the knee to him. I yeah, think it's okay. to bend the knee to the Imperium as a whole. Yes, be, he, be part of this. Yeah, be part of the humanity. But I'm at the head of it. Yeah, but it's I don't not th- maniacal leader. You must bend the knee to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be fair, bend the knee is a bit of a provocative term. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it means you get on board you the Imperium. You work. Or kill you. you work under me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and eventually, if that's refused, invasion. It's that open hand of peace and come in, and we can all be better. But that closed hand, and I think that's a phrase they use in the book, open hand with closed hand. Um, Space Marines are the closed hand. They're the last option. They come in and take take you over because you need to be part of this and it's for your own good. If you you can't take you over, we'll just kill you. I find that really interesting. Like The Lunar Wolves do it very well. They call it the spear tip. And they go in and they take out almost like the ruling classes and then re-educate the masses that maybe have never heard the message because the leadership hasn't shared it or have lied to them or whatever else. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. The other legions are definitely not doing it that way. Um, For example, the Night Lords are skinning people in skinning pits and going, we've killed a whole city in two hours. We can do your whole planet if you want. Bend the knee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lunar Wolves seem to be doing it in a different way, but I think a lot of the other legions would want to do it in a similar way or at least told to. Yeah, like I can't imagine the Dark King. Mm, can't imagine the Ultramarines going in and we're going to wipe out everyone. Yeah, even though you like because you've refused us. I imagine they'd be like, okay, well the ruling class now need to go. We can replace them. Yeah, and actually we can bring about compliance in a hopefully very easy way, or as easy as possible. Um, but yeah, we get that explanation. We get how things currently are and how laughable a marine on marine, you know, brother versus brother is. That's kind of the seeds of uh, sown throughout this book of the foreshadowing war that is to come. Yeah. That the idea, I think there's a bit where Sanguinius is saying to like to people because Horace questions the emperor's um, stance on uh, human races that have connections with Xenos, yeah. like the Interrex. And Sanguinius is laughing like, are you considering that Horus is going to turn against his father for just simply saying that he doesn't necessarily agree with the Emperor's stance on this one occasion? Yeah. Like, it's laughable and he's laughing and everyone kind of laughs and it's like, uh, 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 yeah, that is going to happen. <laughs> he is going to turn against the Emperor. Um, ah, <laughs> and so much of that throughout this book. Yeah. Now, even just through the sparring crages that we get again towards the end of this book. Yeah. You know, of just brother fighting brother. Um, that That is something that is coming. We also see the nature of a space marine, how they are so different to man and mankind, that they're so much more elevated. Yeah. And as the humans kind of gasp at the space marines and the space marines gasp at the Primarchs. And, you know... I, I think it was really, really interesting to see the divide on the ship. The fact that a Remembrancer was never allowed into the Space Marine section of the mm. ship. Um, yeah. with, and they would have Without, literally like, have guards on the door yeah. to stop them going into... So they didn't have that free roam mm. um, because they're human and they don't need to be there. And, and actually, there's the whole... 
don't get in the way of a space marine. They've got a job to do type mentality, mm. um, which was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the books also look at the changing nature of the Imperium. That this is like, I think the 203rd year of the Crusade yeah. is where we picked it up. And there's lots of worlds, like a thousand worlds now that are a part of the Imperium and they talk about taxes later on. Um, and how that changing nature and the Emperor now locking himself away and Horus as the War Master, how that's kind of an ending, but also the beginning of something and that it's a bit of an unsure time because of all that stuff has happened. Yeah. Um, uh, lastly, I just forgot that this book jumped around so much. Yeah. I'm... It was like halfway through a battle. Now we're with this human character. Yeah. It was was like, what? Bit, What's going on? It was a little <laughs> bit annoying, but I mean, it, it wasn't the worst. It, keeps it was it followable. You, you could follow it, um, but it did feel like you could cut sections out and then just put them together and then read that whole battle rather than read yeah. the battle, jump to the ship, read yeah, the yeah, yeah. battle, jump to the other part of the ship. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, that's a heresy book, isn't it? They're yeah, lot, like lots do that. Um, lots of 40k books do that as well. I think this is probably a bit of a template as well. Like, obviously this book came out a long time ago. I imagine if this book kind of, because of the acclaim and how highly it is rated, people yeah. have kind of future authors have come in and gone, okay, we'll do something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, right. The way we're going to do this book is we've talked about roughly what kind of things come out of this book. Um, and we've talked about the characters. We're going to look at the different interactions with the different races or factions. Um, at first, I was going to do places, but the interrex is a bit more complicated than that. So first, we have um, the interactions with 6319. Yep. Um, fake terror, uh, which is basically the beginning part of the book. Oh, I always say the day the emperor, uh, Horace slew the emperor. Mm, indeed. The but Horace didn't slew the emperor. I mean, it's really Yeah, weird. he did. Oh, no, he did. Yeah, no, I get that now. Because it wasn't the real emperor. No, it wasn't the real emperor. Um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the beginning, opening part of the book. Then we have uh, murder, or 140-20. Yep. 140-20, as they call it. Uh, the Mechorachnids world. I love that world. Uh, it's, yeah, it's quite a cool one. And then we have the Interrex encounters, and they're mm -hmm. kind of our three sections. In those three sections, we're going to briefly talk about the different viewpoints. So we have the Primark parts, which yep. obviously mainly about Horus. We have the Space Marine viewpoint, which you obviously mainly focus on Loken. But there's a few other people that pop up there. And the human experiences in each part of the book. Yeah. So that's how we're going to break it down. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So uh, the Primark parts of our first interaction, the 6319, uh, are actually fairly minimal. Um, he's not that much in this part of the book. Kind of his slow build. Yeah, I guess you can't jump straight in with your main character who's the most powerful guy and just be like, here I am. Yeah. You need to build up to him. Um, so yeah, he's the war master. He's been a war master for about a year, we find out. It's the 203rd year of the crusade. And we get that idea that things are starting and also ending. It's immediately applied when we get to kind of Horace and him, his interactions that he has a mass amount of pressure that he has to live up to this new title, especially to his brothers. Yeah, because obviously there's some that weren't particularly happy about mm. his appointment. Yeah. Others which were kind of relieved that it wasn't them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was it was uh, that whole, how am I going to fill the Emperor's shoes in leading this ship? Yeah. Yeah, so later on, um, uh, he talks about the uh, phrasing the Emperor used of like, we don't want to make mistakes or never make mistakes or something like that. And he <clears> takes, Never admit you made a mistake. Yeah, well, no... Uh, I think the Emperor is kind of saying that's the goal. 
Yeah. And Horace has decided to, to put that on himself. So he's yeah. just applied this mass amount of pressure to never make a mistake, never have a poor judgment. Yeah. Um, in this section, Horace seems larger than life in this first section. They're kind of building him up to be this perfect... Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah, sure. Uh, perfect hero, um, this magnificent god. You know, he's just perfect in every situation he ends. Uh, he brings a sense of fear as people gaze upon him. Even space marines are a little bit unsettled at looking at their own prime up. Yeah, yeah. Um, let alone the fact that the humans are just like melting. Mm. Uh, this really great bit later in the book where some dude just can't bow. I yeah. find that hilarious. Just so scared. He's just, oh, I don't know how to. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, you see that politician side of him, spending time listening to those much lower than him, making them feel um, very genuine and um, very listened to. Yeah, even though it also feels a bit fake at the same time. Yeah. Um, Dawn pops up in this bit of the book randomly. The Imperial Fists, this is just before they go off to Terra. They've been recalled, and the Fists are around um, after the conquering of 6319. And he's described very similar to Russ, just a, a god. Um, he even talks to Loken for a bit, and Loken's like, I've never really talked to a Primarch. Yeah. Like, um, we get that brotherly rivalry brought up a, kind of a few times in this section um, and that the war master changed the roles and relationships between the Primarchs and brought that unease. Um, and whether actually the idea that the Emperor should have done that, should the Emperor have named one of them war master, it makes sense as a uh, tactical play. You need someone in charge. Yep. But whether that brought about too much rivalry is is an interesting question uh, that isn't massively raised in the book, but I certainly was thinking it as I was reading it. Yeah. Um, we also get, in this section, you have the uh, Samus Jabal situation in the Whisperheads. Um, and Horace goes to see Loken and talk about it. Uh, and he kind of takes on this role as a caring father. Um, he's like, you know, you didn't fail me, Loken. You did everything in your oath of moment making sure that Loken wasn't like in trouble, but also wasn't a threat. He needed to make sure that Loken was following the party line. You know, it's that politician side again, isn't it? It's like, hey, I care for you, my son, and you did everything right, and I, have, I value and appreciate you, but don't tell anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to be all things to all people, I guess. Um. I found this bit very interesting with Horace and it kind of made me think of how much they knew uh, and how much each Primarch knew about chaos and about its influence um, because he goes to speak to Logan about the warp and says it's the warp that you know uh, entered Jabal and misshaped him and um, you can call it sorcery and you can call it whatever you want, demons, changelings. He has no problem with those. The one thing he says, but we cannot use gods. There are no other gods. There are no gods. Mm. So that's something that he goes, you know, yeah, call it demons, call it sorcery. They're just phrases we use because we don't have the right words. It's the warp. It's this unpersonal thing. And I don't know. I On reflection, I was thinking... Is that what they were told? 
or have they come to those conclusions themselves? Like, I can't remember it ever really being spelled out what the Primarchs knew about the warp. Well, they're incredibly, they're always pictured as this incredibly intelligent race of superhuman. Mm. So I, I, I can't imagine they're completely naive to it. Like, even if they, the Emperor probably had conversations about it and, and, and spoke to them, they probably may not know everything with it. Mm. Um, certainly the, I'm guessing it's the, the the party line that the Emperor's told each of them as they've come across it in, when they're together. Like, when they, uh, when they assimilate the Primarchs into their legions and the, the Emperor's with them for that, like yeah. I can imagine it's, uh, there's probably a guide going, right, this is the stuff you need to know. Yes, yeah, yeah. So there's I, this yeah. thing called the warp. We use it to travel in. This is how it works. Yeah, it can be dangerous. Be careful of it. This is the stuff to look out for. Yeah, type stuff. Yeah, yeah I can. Yeah. I can't imagine it's just a oh, go figure it out for yourselves. No, definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. But just the idea that you know they know enough about it where it's a danger, and they're happy to. You know, I imagine Horace over his time has gone cool. Call it demons. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. But. That's not actually what it is, and no. it's not actually a being controlling another being, yeah. which we obviously know it, it is. Yeah, um, it has a manifestation of itself, the warp, let alone the chaos gods themselves. Yeah, it does feel like the emperor has a massive communication problem with his sons, yeah. like almost telling them what he thinks they need to know rather yes. than everything. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I've I've just made a note, like, you know, Horace admits that he doesn't know what the emperor is doing. He had. The Emperor did not tell Horace what his work was. Which feels like a Just bit of a mistake. Just feels like a fail. Like, I'm yeah. going to do this really important thing and this is why I have to leave. Rather than, bye, yeah. now deal with all those ash issues of separation. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I don't even know what he's doing. He wouldn't even tell me. Mm. Like, you can instantly see that he's hurt by that. Yeah. And it's like, how is, like, I don't know, it just seems stupid. Seems a bit weird. It seems very strange. Anyway, moving on to the Space Marine viewpoint of this book. Um, I think this part of the segment, the 6319, does a good uh, job at kind of explaining how Space Marines work. Um, you have, obviously, the first kind of bolter porn section of warring, yeah, warring and fighting. Yeah, fighting and fighting and everything. Yeah, fighting. there's death and there's heroicism and there's jokes um, as they're making jokes towards each other, yeah. which seems very preva prevalent in most of the Space Marine battles. There's like really intense bits and then it's like, I'm going to make a joke. <laughs> just to, you know, I suppose to keep it moving. Um, but they're always on task. They have a duty, they have a goal, they are going to achieve that goal. No yeah. matter what. Especially when we see that through Loken's viewpoint. Um, you slowly get to see the differences of Space Marines as well. Their philosophy, their personalities. Um, obviously, the Mournival's a great foil for that. Of here's the jokey guy, here's the always moody guy, here's the super aggressive guy, yeah. here's the straight laced guy. It's almost the the classic. Um, whenever there's a movie with a band of fighters, they all fulfil that different role. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was important because, as you said, you know, space marines are often painted. You know, here's a couple of guys that actually have a personality, and everyone else yeah. is the same. Yeah, yeah. And this does a quite a good job at going. Actually, no, there's lots of people who are different. Yeah. You know, but we're just not going to tell you about them. But never. there's well, which be too big a book of course you know. yeah, yeah yeah um but yes yeah, so i think it did a good job at doing that for the first part of the book um we see that ceremony and ritual is a big part of space marine life that there's almost this kind of paradox between ceremony and ritual and loken's very uneasy about it especially when he's like put into the mournival yeah um as well as this you know we don't 
buy into faith and silly stuff and you know gods and all that you know we we we're about science and we're yeah. about we're about logic and we're about smart things but we also have this ritual side that we just can't get rid of yeah yeah um like i think they all kind of laugh at him because like do i need to you know do anything weird and fake and they're like no you just need to say you'll you'll uphold the honor of the thing we've just done it this way all the time so it's just something we do even the oath of moments you know like he's perfectly happy Loken taking the oath of moments but it's a very ritualized way you know you bend bend the knee and you place a hand on the bolter and you say that you will you know do all you can to achieve this it's almost that double standard of going well some rituals are fine and others are Mm. uh, tainted Yeah. yeah yeah So like the lodge stuff, which we'll come on to a bit later. Mm, yes. Like yeah, that's yeah. tainted, but me bending in front of a bolt is fine. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that Space Marines basically could live forever, but never really would because fighting is going to get them somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, we also get that Legion and Legion, brother versus brother, with a little bit of the Imperial Fists. We see how different they are to the Lunar Wolves, how uh, Legions have specialities. You know, the uh, fists go down for fortification and defense. The Lunar Wolves are the initial invasion and spear tip. And then they kind of pull off. Um, And that idea that legions are different and have different skill sets is kind of introduced in this segment. Um, You also get Sigismund kind of pops up here and he's like chatting with the Mournival and you get this kind of upper echelons of the legions mixing you get it later on with uh, Eidolon and Tarvitz and Lucius from the Empress Children, uh, and you get Rauderon and obviously Sanguinius with the Blood Angels. Um, that they do mix, and they all have kind of slightly different views. Um, I like that Sigismund has this opinion that pops up later on with Carcassi. I think in this segment um, of the Crusade will never really end. We'll either be conquering worlds, or we'll be going back to conquered worlds to reconquer them. Yeah, that this will never stand. Um, and Loken's like, no, I think you're wrong. And Sigismund's like, well, I didn't take you as being so naive. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's when Dawn talks to Loken, and the, you know they move on. Um, there's lots of examples in this segment of the book about the closeness between brothers, and they again use the kind of mournful of this, like L- Abaddon starts liking Loken more, and Aximand's talking more, and Torgaddon's joking, and Loken's fitting in as the newbie, as he's just been assigned to it, and they're all getting on really well and it's this whole idea that actually is setting up that you're going to feel the tragedy that is going to come. You know, I think uh, of the third book where you get these guys actually fighting each other. Yeah. And that tragedy feels more real because you get to know these guys and realise how close they are becoming. Um, I liked the, the, the closeness they played between Space Marines. I think the only other thing about the Space Marines in this segment that was worth talking about is the Samus stuff. Yeah, so this was quite... Um, so this the way it was built up in the book was more um, the radio interference of I am Samus, Samus is mm. here, party to me or whatever it is. Um, and um, when they go into the Whisper... Whisper Nades? Whisper, whisper Heads. Whisper Heads, which is this mountain range, um, and they can hear it across the Vox traffic. Mm. And then eventually, Jubal... Um, not Jubal... Yeah, it's Jubal. Jubal, whatever. Jubal. Um, he gets overtaken by this Samus character and murders Marines. Murders his squad, murders most of Loken's company and squad, nearly kills Loken. Yeah, so like this is a big moment. Kills where a couple the, of remembrances. This is the first 
marine on marine killing that Loken uh, views. Yeah. Um, and he's like, it can't happen. It can't happen. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't bring himself to even kill Jabal to start with because no. he's another brother. Yeah. Even though he's kind of... I mean, at this stage, he still looks like a space marine. Yeah. Um, and he's like, we need to grab him. And they're all trying to grab him. And he's just punching out with this extra strength and pulverizing the uh, loyalist marines. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they, it's thought of as, oh, yeah, this is a tactic. And then it's like, hang on, we're finding all these um, uh, like worship veins where the humans that have been resisting on 6319... Um, that's why they're there and like they've been almost like willing the warp into existence mm. um, but they have no idea what this is you know the space marines have no idea because the primarchs haven't shared anything that the emperor has shared probably on his order which is another mistake in my opinion um, and it's just a mess it's it's awful yeah um, and they're, and they're shocked. They have no idea. Like, Loken's completely like, I have no idea what's going on. The humans that survive, Keeler and Cinderman, who are there, um, are completely like, just, I have no idea what's going on. And have, like, fainted or nearly died. And it's it's a huge, huge problem that will arise kind of throughout the book, kind of brought up. It kind of gets forgotten by Loken a little bit. He gets talked to by Horace, as mentioned, yeah. and kind of goes, okay, thanks, Horace, I believe you, and I'll carry on. Whereas Cinderman's clearly researching and looking and bothered by this further in the book. And Keeler, as we learn again later in the book, uh, hasn't dropped it. And he's very messed up over it. And ends up finding faith because of it. Bizarre. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting kind of... Um, journey that she has that you don't really actually read about no you just find that she's gone from this point to this point i mean you get the fact that you see terminators in like a movie fashion just bullets bouncing off them and crazy stuff happening yeah um and also that battle of the whisperheads this is the rebels of 6319 that haven't complied um there's like a thousand of them and they're dead in an hour the start is just go in and just murder them and they've been holding up for months against the imperial army the Marines just plough through them like nothing. Just another good excuse of um, the absolute just power of the Space Marines yeah. over humanity. Um, I mean, in terms of the human parts of this part of the book, there's not too much. You get a good explanation of the Remembrances, why they're there, what they're for, how they came to be. That You learn very quickly that some hated their presence, yeah. felt they got in the way they were pointless and others who saw their importance um to record and to um uh, collect the the history of this part yep. of the crusade um so it's a very mixed bag i'd say more than most uh saying yeah these are a pain in the bum we don't want them yeah i, I kind of find it hard throughout throughout all of their attempts it's like do you have a pass we're yeah. never allowed here we're never allowed there no shut up like Loken's very cut off to Oliton when they first meet. Yeah. He's just like, well, whatever. Like. Um Yeah, and they they kind of slowly build a bond. But Loken is a very human space marine. Yeah. In that way. He seems intrigued and he's more quite keyed up to maybe his human emotions than yeah. other space marines. Um and he's still like, yeah, whatever. I think he doesn't see himself as better than humans. 
where yes. nothing other other space marines think yes. themselves better than humans. Yes, because they're and that's a massive yeah. thing that comes out later on. Yeah, you know, Horace is, Horace is like, I think later in this book he even talks about bureaucrats yeah. taking over and actually the warriors who won it are not going to have a say and that's stupid. You know, and that's part of the whole motivation behind what where he ends up. Yeah, it's not just possession. You know. It's like playing on the worst parts of his thoughts. Anyway, that's that's for another book. <laughs> um, we get a highlight of the roles of human leaders, like of the expedition fleet, get fleet master, and there's architects in this book. Mobius is his name, yeah. I think, and Horace kind of bigs him up and says, it's going to be an amazing city, and you know, for all the ears to hear, to make it a little bit easier for him, even though maybe he's not that bothered. It's interesting. Um, you get this little area explained where the remembrances can be on the ship. You alluded to it earlier, Sam. But basically, they bitch and moan about how hard everything is and drink wine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. The fact that they've been taking, um, taken away from their homes, travelled for months and months into somewhere, yeah. and then been told, well, you can't actually go You anywhere. can't actually do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. 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 Well, this was very true of most legions early on with remembrances, because they would just saw them as this big get-in-the-way hassle. Mm. Like, I mean, some legions adopted them better than others, like Sod being sent to the Empress Children one, or the Night Lords one. Oh my God! Yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That would be mental. I don't yeah. think they'd probably last very long, to be no. honest. I wonder if they even sent them. That'd be interesting to see if there were some fleets they didn't bother. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, no, we're not sending you there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get. Uh, Parts where you know Cinderman and Loken again, you get Oloton and Loken talking, you get Cinderman and Loken talking. They're like trading philosophy of war and fighting. Uh, you see that marine standard marine approach, yeah. but also Loken's personal questioning of yeah. like, could we have left them alone? He gets this question of like the emperor, the fake emperor, yeah, asked him, they like, didn't want to join us, we could have just left them, you could have just left us alone. Like, why did we need to kill them? Mm. And Cinderman's almost like, well, this is why, yeah, um. And you see that division in humanity, the, the fact that, oh, yeah, we're humans, that we still have a lot of differences. It's not like, oh, we found a human world, we're now together and they're in the Imperium and it's easy. Yeah. Which I like, they, they broke that down with 6319. Um, you get kind of mention of the Lecticio Divinitatis, this thing, even though it's outlawed by the Emperor, is a thread that is going to run throughout the heresy yeah. and just grow in strength, even in this kind of mini trilogy i wonder if they knew it was going to be like a mini trilogy yeah it was maybe. never released that way i don't think no, i think i think it was intentionally okay. first, like they pl- they don't just plan one book and go we'll no, no, they, they definitely had it planned but yeah. it, as a consumer right okay. if you knew that this was going to be like you knew they were starting a series but yeah. obviously the first three are very very close art. i wonder if they released all three of them like within like a month of each other yeah it'd be interesting maybe i'd look I, back I, of that information ages ago wasn't it so yeah uh this is the bit where we get um carcassy kicked in yeah and he kind of mouths off on 6319 about how the imperium will fall as soon as we finish it and nothing lasts and he's he's spitting truth but he's kind of drunk and arrogantly doing it to a bunch of imperial army men who are very you, indoctrinated yeah and kick the hell out of him and actually, you're kind of left thinking this guy might be dead. So Don't uh, they end with him not breathing? Yeah. 
Like he's, yeah, he's pretty much dead at this point. Yeah. Um. So just checked it. Horus Rising, Force Gods, and Galaxy and Flames. Horus Rising was released in April two thousand sixteen. Uh, two thousand and six. Um. Force Gods was June two thousand and six. And then Galaxy and Flames was October two thousand and six. Oh, okay. So, so they were definitely close, close together. Yeah. Because then and the next one was the next release. one. The next one was March two thousand and seven. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So very much they probably were sold as a one of three. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it really wound me up, and and this is part of the book where I don't think that whole thing with Carcassy getting away from the presentation being made on the new architecture of the cities was kind of needed. No, I mean it highlighted some key features, so like the how indoctrinated the Imperial Guardsmen are, yeah, like how the the rest of the planet was being subjugated, and and, and everyone was saying, yeah, it's gone fine, and actually they're yeah, very having, unhappy. There were people that were unhappy. Yeah. Cities were bombed out. Yeah, they were very much restricted to what yeah. they could see and what couldn't see. It I was get also why it was there, a but... foil for the fact that Loken then now needs to vouch for Calcasy. They're gonna chat every three days. I now need to see Keela. I'll go to Carcassy because he's my contact. Yeah. If you don't have the first bit, you don't have that second bit. I guess now, so. Loken could have easily just gone to Keela. Yeah. And and like, because he said, oh, why didn't you just ask what room is Keela's? And he was like, I'm asking you, Carcassy. Yeah. But actually, you could have had him just go there and be like, you free to Keela, find her. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't actually, you are right. Yeah. But it just adds that foil and I think it... it adds an extra 20 pages to the book. Yeah. Yeah, it adds that. I don't know. Just another character, I guess. This is, I, I mean, I my preference is, is preference over over yes. substance, right? This, I'm sure, there are people that would be screaming at their uh, iPods or phones or whatever, yeah. saying like, "No, it was completely needed." This led to the humanization of Loken and and to see him fighting for humans. And actually, mm. maybe it's just premise that I don't get. But at the same time, uh, these books are long enough, let alone yeah. putting in extra stuff yeah. that, that yeah, I don't enough. deem needed. Fair enough. Um, you see again, kind of Samus's pull on the humans. Uh, Keela kind of hearing whispers, even though she has no vox. So one of the She's Imperial pilots shot himself in the head. I can't remember. And there, he was the one that Loken was on, and he he he, he shoots himself or shoots his co-pilot, which Samus which Samus is playing in the background, which is quite a key thing. I can't remember that at all. Am I making wow, that up? Maybe I just missed it. Uh, maybe oh, yeah. answers in a postcard if I'm making that up. Yeah. But I think I think there was a moment yeah. where that's why they that's the get out of dodge moment, isn't it? When they're on the ship, where they're like launch everything now because the the ships are falling apart. Am I? I'm not making that up. That definitely uh, happened. I feel like you are, but I, I just can't remember. It was obviously well, like, the beginning of the book. It was yeah, a while yeah, ago yeah. when we read it. That's um, fine. Let's keep this murder moving. Yes, we will do. So then we eventually get on to murder. So that's like the first part of the book. You have the Samus ordeal. The overtaking of a human empire. The Mournerville taking up, being taken up Loken. Yeah, and Horus kind of being introduced as this yeah. spangly god who can't do anything wrong. Murder. Um, and then we get to murder, which is complete opposite. It's a Xenos planet. Yep. Very, um, I, I'm disappointed that murder knights, Makarak knights, don't exist in 40k. Joa, you know I'm more sad that they don't have rules and models for heresy gaming. Be, well, they need a Xenos fight. Like, the, the, they need to. Yeah. The problem is, is they're on one world. Yeah. They are already a conquered race, as we learn later on. They've been banished to this one world. Yeah. Um. So you, it doesn't make sense to have an no, army. You'd have the orcs would and you'd have so the Eldar much before you before yeah. you have these guys. They'd be so cool. Though. They are. They are yeah. ones to take on marines. Yeah, man. So they are three meters tall. 
Yep. This is like the standard version of them. There's yeah. a few different variants. Um, they have one meter long blade arms that can slice through a Startier's armor. Good um, tone. They're like a black silver. Yeah. Almost like metal. I, I imagine them as metal. I, I see metal them armored. a bit like the aliens from Alien. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair. black silver shine yeah. to them. Um, natural body armor. Uh, they have eight legs and they're super quick. Yep. They also have winged versions, and they had a few different variants. Heavy like builder ones, builder ones that vomit yeah, concrete. And little tiny scavenger ones, I think, yeah. that were kind of carrying bits around to build the trees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this kind of nasty Xenos race. They've like wiped out a bunch of blood angels. Yeah. Um, so the blood it, it all starts because the blood angels go. They there's a there's a hole on in the ozone on the planet where they can get through because the the planet is yeah. naturally protecting itself with these storms. Yeah. So the blood angels make drop to go and start compliance um they get i think there's two companies that get wiped out they kind of drip feed them through until they're yeah. basically all gone <laughs> yeah basically yeah and then the empress children turn up and rather than waiting for additional support they throw like 40 marines at it yeah idolon is an idiot oh yeah um, the empress so, children don't come off very good so yeah, let's start with the space marine viewpoint okay and we'll come back to the primark part because i think it makes more sense yep um, so we get another uh, legion come into the picture, the Emperor's children, and eventually a, a little bit of the Blood Angel kind of viewpoint, but they're all kind of dead, as we've we've said. It's only when Sanguinius turns up later on yeah. that we get a Blood Angel kind of um, thing. So they go to reinforce. Now the Emperor's children have got one company, a small force led by Eidolon, who's this kind of glory-hungry Lord Commander, yeah. and and not painted very well in this book. And I... I Definitely fell for that and don't like him. Yep. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, it was really interesting to see when Space Marines face like fearsome enemies that can kill them. You get the red shirts just dying everywhere and the characters somehow manage to get an advantage and do a great job at kind of seeming like better combatants. Yeah. But it's just because we know them and they can't die yet because mm. they've got more to do. Um, I mean, this is where Saul Tarvitz comes in, who's my favorite character in the Heresy as yeah. a whole. Um, and not necessarily in this book because he doesn't have much to do, but it's a great introduction to him. Uh, you also get Lucius, the Blade Master. You know, this is before he's the Eternal, mm. um, and you're not really made to kind of like him particularly either. <laughs> um, and you have these these great battles on the planet um, versus the Megarachnids before the um, Lunar Wolves roll up. Um, and then you get my one of my favourite bits in the book where Torgadon is kind of having a good chat with Eidolon about making some mistakes. Um, uh, what else do you have going on? Obviously, they then go to war and you get like whole legions fighting, um, or well, at least whatever legions part of the exp- uh, expedition force yeah. um, fighting on the world. Uh, but in amongst all of that stuff, you also have the Lodge. Yeah, so... The lodge, the lodge section was uh, so Jubal, who was killed, uh, was a member of the lodge. Mm. And Loken, when he goes to clear out his, um, go, goes out to clear his uh, stuff stuff away from his room, um, he finds Jubal's lodge medal. And actual Jubal wasn't a regularly attending member of the lodge. He, no, we he, he hadn't been there in like a we? year or something. That's yeah. why the medal was there and never picked up. And so Loken has, um, in true space being fashion, uh, a blinded view of lodges uh, are bad. So. so- it's very interesting because I definitely sit more on local side of, of it. Well, the reason for it is why would you... There's nothing stopping you meeting in, in, in public. If you meet in private, you're telling a lie. 
And if you're telling a lie about this, how easy would it be to start yes, telling lies about other that's things? That's kind of the crux of his argument. Yeah. But it's also because the emperors deemed them wrong. They're cultish. They yep. feel they bring uh, fractures within a legion. Uh, yep. In his viewpoint, yep. there's actually great argument for the lodge when they meet. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting, both yeah. sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's very much like the emperor said no. So it's no. So no. However, um, they when they do meet, they sort of go, well, actually, the Maudeville is a lodge. Yeah, kind of. You meet in private, you talk about stuff with your with Primark, and, and it's there's no rank or anything in there. Mm. The same way they conduct their lodge, where there's no rank, um, you have a, a lowly scout trooper and a, a captain in there as well. And the idea is that they can talk and learn from each other mm. on, on what's going well and what's going yeah. well. You don't talk about the lodge when you're not in the lodge. Yeah. Um, if so you're asked about I the lodge, I can't say. Yeah. If, if you're not, if you're not in the lodge and someone asks you about mm. it, then then you always say, "Is I can't say." Mm. It's a simple response. Which is said before that moment. It is. You don't really. Pick I up didn't on that pick up on that at all until it's Nero Vipus, one of his kind of closest friends. But Loken's so against it that he's like, "No one in my command will ever be part of one of these." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of been part of it forever, and yeah. so doesn't give it up. I mean, it makes. I think setting it up this way helps when it's used in the future because yes. it's, it's the lodges that obviously get Horace. Yeah. Well, so this is where you get the first mention of Davin. Yeah. That Davin controlled their population through these lodges. Yeah. And they kept cohesion through these lodges. And so the word bearers who took over Davin alongside the Lunar Wolves started lodges in legions. Well, yes and no, because it does say that, that lodges have existed for thousands and thousands yes, of years. Yes, they they have in general, but that's where it kind of really kickstarts yeah. within the legions itself. Um, and yeah, so, you, so you're immediately like, especially I found obviously when I was reading this, knowing what is to come fully, yeah, like I was like, oh, of course the word bearers like it. And I think that's probably why I end up on Loken's side a bit more because I know it's the lodges that kind of everything falls apart within. Yeah. And they become a problem. Um, but at this stage, when they were talking about them, you're like, actually, yeah, brother or brother. And ranks don't matter, and you can openly ask questions and share doubts, and it all stays within this room. It's like a fraternity. Yeah. Build, build relationships within the Legion. Make those hidden connections that actually help it operate even better. And though I thought those arguments were really good. Yeah, I can see why they would do, but it's that whole... I still stick by um, Loken's point of, you could do this in the open. Yeah, You don't need to have... Like the way that we, it's probably more the way the legions are run. Yes. You don't talk to your superior commanding officer because yeah. you have a commanding officer above you. It's it's like in any military organization, yeah. a lowly rank and file wouldn't go and talk to the leader of the fleet. Yeah. You'd go to your commanding officer, or, or question their commanding officer. Why did you do that? Exactly. Whereas in a lodge, you can. Yeah, in the lodge, you can go. Oh, I didn't understand. Explain to me. Yeah. Let me learn. But then that again, it's just a difference of how people run stuff. Like mm. I, I, I get it. I get their argument of going. You can't just do that. But actually, Loken's like, if someone wants to ask me, they can ask me. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other kind of big thing that happens in this part, for, uh, in terms of the Space Marine, is obviously the Loken stuff with um, the images of Jabal's possessed state. Okay. Um, uh, well, actually, two things. So, Keela leaves Loken these images of Bazal's... Uh, so, photos. Bazal's, pictures. Jabal's, yeah, yeah, that she took of when she was attacked and Loken hadn't seen them. They were kind of hidden. Um, and, um, they, he finds Keela, uh, through Karkazi and blah. 
um, and goes to her and has quite a stimulating conversation um, with her and quite enjoys her conversations, it seems. Out of all the humans, she he gets on the best, I think, with Keela. Um, and he's challenged on the ideas of if Astartes can turn on their brothers, would a space marine turn against his legion if they turned from the Emperor and the Imperium? I thought it was a really interesting question to throw in there. That I think at the time, if you were reading it the first time and didn't know the whole story of the heresy, would have been like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Whereas obviously I'm going, oh, well, that's there because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, there's, and there's loads of it in this book. Yeah. Um, you also get um, Loken talking to Oliton about the end of the Ulanor ceremony. So you get 14 legions there, 100,000 Astartes, nine Primarchs. It was this unbelievably insane thing. Again, this is one of them things where I don't... What does that really add to the story? Not massively, other than it just kind of has Loken kind of sharing his awe about what he was experiencing. Yeah. You know. I just like a stripped back story. Give me the basics. Give me the information I need to know. Yeah. Get rid of the fluff. Yeah, yeah well, you, you need some of it, but you are right. It is a little bit that kind of... I don't know. I enjoyed it because it kind of showed... Loken sharing the vastness of everything and yeah. Oliton being obviously like, this is great stuff. And, and maybe that's because, the, the way I feel about that is because I already know that it's happened. Maybe yeah. if you were reading this from like a completely never heard about 40k before, yeah. you'd be like, oh, that's really cool. And actually that's how they're, how much they're held up. And maybe it's because I know what Primarchs are and I know how the Marines work and mm. how they don't like anyone. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, going up to the Primarch parts of this book that are worth mentioning... You get horror. You kind of see Horace not doing anything by accident. He's yep. being this perfect politician, even with his own sons. Yep. So it talks about how he uses a kind of common uh, Chthonian tongue, which is kind of gruff and rough. Um, so he feels like he's one of the guys. You know, he's not just this far off Primarch. He's like, I'm in the trenches with you. I speak the same tongue with a rough dialect. Um, and Loken always thought from afar that that's just how he learned it because he didn't grow up on Chthonia. He mm. was on terror with the emperor. Yeah. But actually he came to realize after being in the Mournival and seeing how he works, that he was choosing to use that dialect because it made him seem more common. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was quite a cool little uh, tidbit. Uh, you also see how he uses the Mournival talked about that, how he kind of gets them to um, berate the emperor's children and the blood angels for, messing everything up and going in too early and yeah um and horace is like my my sons we must forgive them they've only done what they thought and even though actually that's kind of his point of view that uses them to berate them because he has to be seen as a unifying presence and everyone loving him rather than oh he had a go at me i don't like him anymore yeah 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 you also get sanguinius turn up which is pretty cool and hear how imposing he is gives a cool speak, speech about vengeance um, and just shows how close Horace and Sanguinius are. Um, and and I, I really enjoyed that kind of camaraderie. And it, you didn't have much in the book to, to give that, but I felt it straight away. Yeah. That actually, yeah, these guys are very close and um, they end up going to war together and that's like awesome. They both love it because they're together. Um, and then the human... Viewpoint? Yeah, we should probably just... I don't think there's too much in here. Obviously, Loken seems to like humans, and he's he hunts down C- Cinderman, who's 
looking through these old books and unsettled from his experiences of Jabal. Um, Keeler is very messed up um, over Jabal, and we get that from their conversation. Um, he vouches for Karkasi, and that's how it all gets set up. Um, there's not too much in this section, really. Like Again, Keeler, kind of how far will loyalty go as an Astartes? You know, to turn on your legion if they fell to corruption, and you know, obviously sowing that thread of civil war, which is going to break out. Um, it's very profound for a uh, human. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. She she spent a lot of time in her room. Yeah, I guess having a think. And this is where we see her for the first time with the Lecticia mm. and praying to the God Emperor. Um, she even has a line, doesn't she? Something like, um, he's our light and, yeah, he's our truth and our light um, and he will protect us if we we acknowledge that. Yeah. And, Lo- and for some reason, Loken doesn't really go, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Well, that's worshipping the Emperor. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. It's like, <coughs> okay, it's, yeah. It's moment. Like, at that point, it's, it's God worship. That's, that's... Yeah, well, at least question it. Yeah. I, I think he does kind of go, how did you get through it? And he's, she's like my friends i found something to trust yeah i trust in the emperor and his designs i trust in you guys because you hold the truth that we can't handle yeah yeah um and that's that's kind of that section really lots of bolter porn murdering um and questioning yeah so the murder section i guess i'd summarize it as in you kind of see other legions coming in and fighting and and almost the pompous of other legions um, the you, meet, children. you also learn that the marines aren't aren't um fallop no what's the word the marines can be killed yeah, like they're, they're not they've met they've met a superior race who who are really good at killing on their planet and the marines get munched through like yeah. devastatingly munched through and it takes six months of fighting with two primarchs and two legions there to be able to conquer the world at that point nuke the world why, yeah. why bother? It was like, interesting that that was how they came about it. Yeah. Like, because uh, I know they talk about it, it would be really easy for me just to, and, and Horace nearly does just exterminate us the world because he can, because he's Warmaster. Mm. Um, it, it, it is a bit weird that they then go, you know what? Let's go fight for six months. Yeah. Well, I think the uh, Primarchs were, it's like honor. Yeah, I get like, I, Yeah. You know, I mean, especially Sanguinius, he's like, yeah. I want to kill these things. Because I feel like at the end anyway, when the world is defeated, what are they going to do with it? Well, nothing. Exactly. You might as well just nuke it. And yeah. Then, yeah, whatever. But um, And then there was obviously the other stuff with the humans and, and the start of the Legion of Divinicus and, mm. and, and the start of the... Yeah, the that Emperor. thread, which will get bigger and bigger. Yeah, over the next couple, yeah. couple of books, it gets bigger. Um, and next up, we have uh, the Wonders, that is the Interrex. Mm, the Interrex encounters. So they're a really interesting race. Uh, they use like a mathematical music to communicate, as mm. well as a tweaked old Terran language. Yeah. They're originally from Terra, like aeons ago. Um, they have impressive soldiery too, uh, like slender build, but similar to Astartes in height. Yeah. Um, they they use bows, which are basically like laser bows, uh, which are pretty gnarly, and yep. some swords and spears that are equipped. They also have a bulkier, shorter, heavy trooper, which is the Kinebrak, which are Xenos. Um, and this kind of is what starts off this segment being quite uneasy. Because they are in partnership with this Xenos race and have had de- dealings with other Xenos races and yeah. are fine with that, which is very much against the Imperial Creed. Very much against it. Yeah. But they're, they're very interesting. So they even the Mechorachnids, after they can't communicate with them and they can't do anything with them, they defeat them 
and banish them to that world and take all their spacefaring technology slash nature yeah. away um, rather than just wiping them out altogether. I mean, that's... It's a more measured approach. Yeah, like, why would you just... It's just like... Why, and I think they say, like, who are we to wipe out on a whole other race? Exactly. Which is, well, Which I mean, that's completely... Space Marine 101, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't like it, kill them. And that's what I mean. So the, the Space Marines were all very, very heavy. And I think Space Marines is better part to kind of talk about here. Um, yeah, they want war straight away. The people who are in Treks are lost kin, but they've contradicted the Imperial Creed, and that can't be tolerated. No, it's that. Um, even Abaddon has a massive argument with Horace. Like, they have a shouting match and Horace is like, you better leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Horace is kind of losing his mind. That, um, sorry, Abaddon is losing his mind that Horace, his Primarch, is like even willing to chat to these people. Yeah, rather than just go down and, and, and murder them like they would Why, do in traditionally because they don't want to follow, they're not following the Imperial Creed. Yeah. He's actually like, no, cool, let's work with him. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Erebus suddenly arrives. A bit weird. No real explanation. Well, he's gone to um, be the voice of Lorgar and ask for Horace's attention. Yeah, still weird. Which we find out where that is at the end of the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just kind of turns up. He, there's no grand arrival. Or it's just, a, Erebus is here. It's like, oh, um, look who just arrived from uh, from from somewhere else. It's just Erebus. Yeah, and we, we're kind of, uh, Tarvitz and Lucius, the uh, Empress children are still around because um, this is all happening above murder kind yeah. of ship-to-ship communication and yeah. envoys going across to both ships for for a little while. Um, and uh, they're all kind of liking Tarvitz, but not so much Lucius. Uh, Tarvitz is kind of building up that um, rep- reputation of the Emperor's children again after uh, murder and the situations there. Um, Which is con- insane, because it's Lucius the Eternal. Yeah. Yeah, what an idiot. Um, have they got a Lucius the Eternal model? Uh, no, well, in Heresy. Yeah. No, he doesn't have a character series model. Oh, that's a shame. He's not that important yet. Yet. He's, not, he's not even massively evil. important at the end of the three books. I mean, well, really. I mean, he's just a character. I mean, he no does character, something right, very so. villainous. Yeah, yeah. And dastardly. chooses a side. Yeah. But okay. I suppose he's as big as like someone like Khan, and Khan has a model. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it's that Slaneshi hate. They don't like the Slaneshis. No. <laughs> um, um, they eventually get to the Interexes world, and um, yeah, you hear this chaos phrase for the very first time. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden, war breaks out on the planet, um, which is fun. Yeah, and then you know, Marines versus these soldiers, and it's kind of a real tragedy. Um, instant war in a foreign city dangerous foes very cool kind of action scene i did yeah. enjoy the action scene especially with loken kind of running through the hallways going cry cry blasting people apart and stuff yeah um uh, and then at the, it kind of ends the, this is where the book ends um with erebus the evil marine yeah. <laughs> but it's his fault and obviously where what you know is coming yeah like you know he made it happen he's gonna make it worse still yeah this is all planned yeah this is all underhand and it's a real tragedy. It's like a mini tragedy setting up a very larger tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's it, really, for the Marines. There's not much complex for the Marines in this section. Yeah. Um, it's more complex when you get to the Primarch. There's loads more about Horus here. So he's super angry with Abaddon, as I've said. He even scares Loken a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
he's got used to Loken. He shares a story about uh, Zodiac symbols with the Emperor and how he's kind of seen as the centaur Sagittari. Yeah. Um, kind of a warrior, hunter, leader, conqueror. Um, he feels that he can't make any mistakes and he regrets 6319, where he lost Sejanus, which we didn't mention. No. Uh, which has clearly plagued him all the way through. Yeah. Kind of this silent uh, pain. Um, and because of that, wipes out you know the ruling class and the fake emperor, and he, he wants to see humanity come together. Mm. And, and no matter what, he seems less fascist towards Zeno's races than the emperor does. Yeah, or at least the humans that have encountered Zeno's races. Yeah, like like yeah, yeah, the Interrex. Yeah. He's like, well, okay, they did. They messed the be- They made the best of a bad situation. Old yeah. night happened. They were left on their own. I'm they not making a rash decision. I'm not making a mistake. Yeah, I'm not just wiping out the Xenos um, element because they're Xenos. Yeah. yeah, and on top of that, he's being pulled different ways. You know, this again, this pressure of being Warmaster is really uh, pushed in this part where it, there's like five other Primarchs like, we want you to come and do this, and we want you to wage war against the Orcs over here. Yeah, yeah, and we want you to come and be with us, and just being absolutely pulled all sorts of ways. Um, and ultimately when war does break out Horace is like beside himself like I don't understand we we haven't done anything wrong this is a mistake this is a huge mistake he's like yeah. broken over it but he's also very angry and eventually when he's tried everything he can he just goes right if you're gonna if you're gonna um, accuse us of stuff that we haven't done we are going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just loses it and goes, yep, let's go. Um, I love the fact that, you know, like Torgad and Alokan are like, no, sir, we need to get you off world. You're, you're not safe. Yeah. And he's like, shut up, I'm a Primarch and just start beating people to death. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's quite, um, like I think you said earlier, may not have said it out loud, but the, the um, he says about, I'm not, I would never have been war master if I had to stop making war. Yes, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not a pencil pusher dip, yes. diplomat. Like I'm, I'm still yeah. a, a well-oiled fighting uh, yes. machine. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. one of the uh, other kind of pressures is a bunch of like tax collectors from Terra turn up. Yeah, like, we must be charging them tax, and he's like, "You're going to undo all the work we've done." Yeah, yeah. And, and which is something that Sigismund was saying, something yeah. that Carcassi was saying. Yeah. Even though he was being an idiot and kind of deserved to get beaten up, he was spitting truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's and, that this moment where he's like let's get you off world he's like no no i am fine yeah. i will not die i, I want to see what they've accused us of and they yeah. go to the uh hall of devices yeah um which i talk about in the human experience which we'll end with in a second um we know that erebus is the one that's caused all this issue all I, think, I think later on doesn't it come out that he wasn't working alone I yeah think in the next one it's like the lodges have kind of like been yeah. involved in silly stuff. lodges yeah oh but yeah, and, and just, I, I feel sorry for Horace in this section of the book. Like, I forget, again, I forget how much I... He's played massively. Yeah, he's like, absolutely played. Which is super weird, considering how, like, amazing Primark's meant to be. He's played by a load of Marines. Yeah. But I don't think he had any idea that the Marines, like, would do that. No, you know, no, I guess er- so. Erebus is clearly already fallen. Mm. You know, he already has a plan. You know, now, it's interesting because he the Interex approached them. It's not like he sent them there. So he's yeah. taking an opportunity. Yeah, this wasn't the plan. Yeah, but I'm here to help Horace to fall. Like that seems to be what's being set up. Once you know what's coming. Yeah, once you see the other three books and what goes yeah. on there. And... Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, this this was always kind of the plan. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just I don't know. It's a, I find I find it more of a tragedy. I always used to think, oh, Horace was a bit weak and fell and 
now becomes the big bad guy. You know, whereas some people would say like the the Thousand Sons is a massive tragedy when they fell. Some some people even say the Fulgrim thing is a, is a tragedy book. Yeah, it's like a Greek tragedy. Um, I don't massively feel that way about Fulgrim, but anyway, I mean, we all hate Fulgrim. I, I definitely felt that it was more tragic in this book. Yeah, I felt him. I felt the pain that he went through and the the kind of uh, disloyalty that's being sown in the background. Yeah, um, and how awful that is because I know how what's coming. Maybe, mm. but that was an added extra that I didn't have the first time I read the book. Yeah, um, going to the um, human side of things, Cinderman's on the planet of the Interrex after their talks. And he asks about the blades of the Kinnebrack and why they're so kind of locked up and got like energy fields to protect them. And then they're like not allowed to be used. Um, and the, uh, oh, what's his name? Tal, I think is the kind of commander of the Interrex, um, soldiery. He's like, Oh, they're, um, they're, they're anatheme uses the word anatheme, um, talks about almost like, they're deadly, they're corrupted, they're like almost cursed. Yeah. And and Cinderman uses those words and the Interrex guy kind of doesn't like argue with him at all. And he's like, Oh, I was joking. Like, are they? And it just it shows that he's still questioning that whole idea of curses and sorcery and demonic possession and everything yeah. that he's experienced earlier. Um, you also get Oloton just like trying to find out what happened on the planet. Like, why did we go to war? And Loken's basically like, it was tragic. That's it insane. Was, like, looking at tragedy. the... So, Anthem was a sword impregnated with the power of chaos god Nurgle, created by the Kinnebrack. Yeah. Uh, the species uh, humanoid aliens coexist with the humans in interact culture. Um, if the name of the target was spoken to the blade, yeah. the weapon would become totally um, obsessed to that being on an almost molecular level, producing poisons and toxins tailing specifically to them while also guiding itself towards the target. That's insane. And that's why Erebus takes it. Because then... Horus. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. But anyway, uh, so Cinderman goes there, piques an interest in the in, in the sword, which then, when yeah, the sword disappears... Yeah, which just basically gives us the background of the blade that yeah. you just shared. Like, we didn't... You don't know that as a reader. No. But um, it when you learn how it works later on, you're like, oh, that's why it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So then that gives them the reason of, well, Cinderman was really interested in it and now the blades disappeared. Must have been... Uh, I don't think that happens in the next book. I'm no, no, sure. no, no. In, in in this book, when the, the oh, fight with the, the Interrex kicks They're off, like, it you've was, stolen it. You've stolen yeah. it. You were interested in it. Yeah, so that's it's true, now actually. gone. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a sentence like that. So it's um, that's what starts off the war. Obviously, yeah. Erebus has walked off with the sword because... Yeah, and in the bowels of the ship, he's put it in a suitcase. Yeah, because <laughs> you know that's how um, it works. Yeah, and then Oloton, it kind of ends with Oloton. The whole book ends with Oloton kind of trying to find out what happened. Loken tells her quite openly. Yeah. Which is, shows that progression throughout the whole book. Yeah. Um, and how it's a tragedy that humanity is splintered and <laughs> can't realign itself. It's like, where are we going to next? A moon what? in the Davin Sector. Yes, which obviously, <laughs> which obviously has massive impact on because that's where the Horus Heresy that's really where, starts. Yeah, that's really where the heresy f falls. Yeah, or begins. So, what was your top three cool moments? Cool, right? So, um, Tarvitz is a character coming into the book. I just think he's great. Like, I just love the fact that he was in this book. Yep. Like, it's not really a moment, but it's a cool character. Um, 
my second one is Torgadon and Eidolon having their argument. Like Torgadon just dresses him down, calls him an idiot, and Eidolon's getting more and more worked up, and Torgadon just doesn't care. Yeah, and I just uh, I loved it. Is that the one <laughs> where he's like? I have been sent here by the Warmaster, therefore I am the Warmaster. Yes. Yeah. And on you murder. will address me as such. Yeah. And yeah. I don't care who the hell you are. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you didn't call me Lord. And yeah. And he's like, nah. Jog on. I'm like, not going to call you Lord. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments. And then my last favorite moment is uh, Loken punching Lucius in the face. Yep. Because Lucius and Erebus just had this massive duel and it was epic and Loken doesn't really want to go in. He realises he can't beat Lucius in a, fair a fight. blade fight. It's fair. Yeah. Um, so Loken just punches him in the face and he says, like, that's how the Lunar Wolves do war. They see the weakness and they take it. Broke his pretty nose. Yeah. I think it's the first mark on Lucius's Yeah, because he's the whole, I'm perfect, I haven't taken yeah, a cut yeah. on my face, yeah. I don't wear a helmet. And later on, I think it's in Fulgrim, he starts scarring himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he yeah. gets a bit weird. But the first scar is given to him by Loken, which, which is, is pretty cool. So my top three is uh, Murder, the entire planet section. Uh, it was really interesting to see how a non-humanistic uh, planet, sort of like the trees and how they repair. Yeah, like covered, like controlled the storm. Control the storm, which yeah. then, so they've been obviously purposed with keeping the storm going, which means people can't get there, which means they can't get off either. Yeah. So they can never leave, like drawing like conclusions as to why they've, they've been told, why they're, keep trying to repair these trees mm. um and then just the way that the marines are just being absolutely annihilated by these 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 um this, this enemy mm. uh and the fact that they have to drive they have to drive when the the lunar wolves turn up they have to, in order to move through the spear tip they have to drive so that the the vehicles take out enough space that they can kill them with bolter weapons because mm. if they know they get into close combat they're just going to get annihilated mm. so the whole idea of the murder planet yeah, was, okay. was really cool um next was Loken attending the first lodge meeting because ah. it was kind of him opening up his whole mind to the idea that lodges aren't that bad but actually they are really bad mm. um because it's so true the whole if you meet in secret then what else can you keep secret yeah like it, it it's that whole me- um uh, mentality i was like yeah i completely agree if you have to do something if you're doing something and you have to do it secretly because you're you feel guilty about people knowing about it mm. then clearly something's wrong with that yeah yeah uh and then finally uh it was how the war master uses the mournable for the same oh, things cool. he doesn't I want to so like the whole berating the blood angels mm. and the empress children and then really laying into them and him being like guys chill out they were doing what they thought was right but in secretly going take that yeah um so that was really cool for me yeah i thought that was cool it, it added that level of character and um the outworkings of the war master yeah you know, how that role actually needs to be played and how clever that is. Mm. Um, yeah. So next up is the review of the book, The mm. Good, The Bad and The Ugly. I think mine is probably what I say in most of these books. Yeah. Is, was good. It was a little slow in places. Some parts could have been dropped or um, or were they there to show the humanity of Space Marines? I don't think you needed an entire chapter to do that. Yeah. There were lots of moments of going, Space Marines are humans too type. And it was, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. Everyone's going to think different. Yeah. I, I felt that they went by fine yeah and a lot of them are there to kind of show that relationship between humanity space marines uh and how it's not as clear-cut as you think it is yeah and how you can almost see where the gaps come in and how horace falls and all the stuff that is to come yeah uh, because of some of those sections um i think there's some great characters in the book like don't get me wrong i don't think there's massively deep characters in the book well no 
but they're they're all there for a reason and help with the themes um and and i just really enjoyed reading the book um there wasn't that much that i was like oh yeah this bit's rubbish Mm. you know so i've not really got that much more to say on it i just thought it was good read fun to read and then would you recommend this book yeah of course i would uh i said you kind of right. have if you want to get into the Horus Heresy, you have to start here. Yeah, you have to start there. Like I mean, I know there's certain books in the Horus Heresy you can just miss if you're not that infused mm. by them. Like um uh The Flight of the Eisenstein, the rubbish book. Oh, so um, good. And uh but I think as a trilogy, these first three books are an absolute must. Past that point, pick the books you want to read for what mm. interests you. But these three are the start of how everything comes together. Yeah. So I think it's definitely worth worth the read. Um and then that kind of leads really nice into who's it for. Yeah. Uh, so we've got new readers, veteran readers, specifically interested in the hobby. I said that I'd happily give this to a non-40K reader. Yeah. Um, I think overall the book is fantastic, or the trilogy is fantastic as an mm. isolated read. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to be into 40K or to understand the Emperor. And actually, it might even be better if you don't have any preconceptions about who Space Marines are mm. and, and, and um, how they fight. Because I think it really yeah. does build up that intro to Space Marine 101 type mentality. Yeah, there's lots of that in there that kind of tucked in. Um, I, th- I thought it was really interesting. I would have loved to have read this book almost in that stance. Yeah. Because when I read it, I was already playing 40K. I was already aware of an emperor on a throne. I was already aware that there was a heresy, that there were, you know, chaos chapters were once legions and all of that stuff. Yeah. And I think that does play into your read of this book. Yeah. Um, now, I massively enjoyed it both times of reading it. I may have even read it three times. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Part of me would really actually want to give this book to, like, my sister who yeah, okay. is, loves books, loves reading, yeah. but has never really yet read anything about 40K. Yeah. So wouldn't have the preconceptions and then to kind of figure out what she thinks about it would be quite cool. Yeah, it would be interesting. I, I would say a new reader to the heresy just because it's a must in the start point. Well, this like, is what... It should be what you should start with. Do you know what we should have done? We should have interviewed Chris because he read these first three books, didn't he? And yeah, he was new true. to the heresy. And fairly new to the fluff as yeah. well, actually. So yeah, that would have been interesting. Oh, well. Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, a new reader to the heresy, uh, a great pickup, even if it's after a long time, just to remind you of how it all started. Um, yeah, good characters, good story, good, good times. I, I would agree it is slow in places and there are bits that can be missed, but yeah. I just, they don't I mean, that's the me same that much. for most books. Yeah, it, it, like pretty much yeah. every book you read is yeah. like that. Cool. So that's it. Mm. That's our first Horace Heresy segment. Uh, I hope that was okay. I felt like it went a little bit blow by blow. But uh, we can work on that. Yeah, it, it's you're you're a very detail orientated person. Yeah. So you no matter what you do, you always can yeah, do. Yeah, I try. You do try, <laughs> and it was really good. It was good. Um, feedback on a postcard if you thought yeah, it was great. Please do. You want more detail? Let us know. You want less detail? Let us know. Just get in contact, and and we can hopefully tailor this section towards you. The next book is also going to be done by Matt. It's a forty k novel mm, rather than indeed. a thirty k one. So then we can flip rounds. We both get a chance to do. Yeah. 30K. So it's thirty k book club. And then two episodes later, we'll have 40K Book Club. So this the one next will one, be an extra month gap. Be an extra month. So the next, this one will be actually January. Be in January. Um, the book is called the Ca- is the Carrion Throne series, um, and the first book is called Vaults of Terror. Mm. So it's uh, the Carrion Throne series, um, which is Vaults of Terror, and this one kind of we were looking at what book to do. And it, the main reason we wanted to do this one is because it all takes place on terror, which mm. would give us a really good, hopefully might give us a really good um, introduction to how terror is and, and how um, the, the home world of our 
uh, our emperor, lord and saviour, um, <laughs> actually functions. So I'm quite excited. And it, follow, it follows an inquisitor, which is always a good character to follow. Mm, yes, it has quite high ratings uh, with lots of different ratings as well. So we mm. thought this would be a good one to jump in. Going in completely blind. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, see where we go. Could be the worst book ever created or it could be the best. Mm. Um, we're going to end it there. Um, take a break. Come back with uh, our end. Um, so goodbyes, what's coming up next month. And then uh, we'll round out and finish the show. Yes. The tendrils of the warp are far-reaching and communicating using the great social media anonymicon. Do I? What's that? Do I have to say that? Yeah, it's a keeper anonymicon. Anonymicon. Anyway, it's apparently never been easier. Reach out and connect. Find them on the Adeptus Terror podcast page on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash the Adeptus Terror podcast and the Adeptus Terror podcast community safe room Facebook group, www.facebook.com forward slash TATP safe room. You can also connect to them on Instagram to see some of what they get up to in between episodes at the Adeptus Terror Podcast. Give these losers a break and please give them a like and a follow. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. It's the time to end the show. I hope it's been an enjoyable episode for you guys. Um, really enjoyed covering Tracing the Infinite. And um, I really enjoyed reading Horus Rising. It was uh, definitely a mammoth task in sharing that with you guys. And I, I hope that that was enjoyable for you. Again, we're still kind of perfecting that setup and how we cover that book. Um, not that book, how we cover books in general. Um, so, yeah, please let us know what you thought and how we could improve. I happily hear that stuff. Um, but yeah, we should tell you what is on for our next episode so you know what's coming. And then we shall leave you until next month. So what have we got going on for next month, Sam? So we are um, a reminder for the, the poll, um, which is uh, army faction. which army faction do you most like playing against? Uh, and then feel free, free to, feel free to add in the comments why. Um, and if you, especially if you selected a broad faction like Imperium, um, it's the mirror of this month's one that we've already done, which is least like to play against. And um, we want to do this because we don't want to just be like a, a bitching fest. Yeah, negative thing. Um, and also, it'd be great to see actually who likes playing against what armies, and mm. and and if there's like a strong faction which is enjoyable. Um, and I'm really interested in the why here because I think yes. if it's a well, it's because I always get to beat them because they're really weak. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, after that, the spotlight, we're going to be covering Alpha Legion. I'm guessing mm. it's going to be Alpha Legion in 30k and 40k. Yeah, throughout their entire throughout history. Their whole history yeah. A bit of history on them. Chapter spotlight, slash um, Legion spotlight. And then the final segment, which is the Terra Talks, is uh, the landscape of Zomortalis. So we're going to explore into, with our, our Zomortalis challenge that we've put in, we're going to explore a bit more into um, playing the game, uh, boards, types, objectives, that kind of stuff, um, just to kind of give people hopefully a bit of inspiration for the challenge. Yeah, just something interesting to talk about. Mm. Um, talk about different ways of landscaping a zone mortalis, of playing in a ship, out of a ship. Here's some MDF companies. Here's some 3D printed companies. Yeah. Build your own. Uh, we'll probably lament over the uh, 
lack of Forge World Zone Mortalis. Yes. And maybe even make some guesses towards what might be coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to that segment. Um, yeah. That's the plan anyway. Yeah, that is the plan. What what can they expect hobby-wise from us? Oh, God. So again, uh, this isn't a kind of commitment. This is just roughly what we think we'll be working on. Uh, it has to be the Ultramarines. Yeah, me. I have to do the Blood Angels. Um, it has to be. That's probably all you're going to hear about next month, and hopefully you'll hear lots about them, <laughs> we hope. Um, yeah, at least in the painting, uh, on the painting table segment, it will be that. Uh, I don't really have much else on the table right now. No. Um, uh, we'll see, kind of like, um, might end up picking up a few more bits for the Night Lords to round off my 3,000 point list. Um, I hope you do finish that, because then I can... Uh... I can play the game. I'm hoping guessing. to have it ready for the weekend at Marks. Yes. So that I can take my 3K force. Mm. Uh, so my, what's it for me? I obviously need to focus on um, ZM stuff. I need to get at least those two units finished. Uh, if not, start to at least buy the next couple just to kind of get that keep moving. Um, also, I'm going to try and focus on um, my bikers to get them done. And then that hopefully will draw a line underneath um, other than weathering across the entire army, it will draw a line underneath it. And I can certainly play my unweathered uh, mm. Gene Sealer Cult Force and just kind of hopefully finish that. I'm excited about finishing that, <laughs> mainly finishing that. Cool. Um, awesome. And on that note, then I think we should just end the show there rather than keep rambling on like we normally do. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you for episode 63. 63, um, yeah. This was 62. This was 62. Uh, so until episode 63... I've been Matt. And I've been Sam. And this has been the Adeptus Terra podcast. Thanks for listening to another successfully recorded episode of the Adeptus Terra podcast. Join the conversation on the Adeptus Terra podcast community safe room on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at the Adeptus Terra podcast or email at the Adeptus Terra podcast at gmail.com if you just want to chat to Matt. Thanks again. Managed. I basically I did a te- couple of tester models for. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. <coughs> Let it all out.